And we are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to Fed Reacts, man. I am sorry for the delay, guys. We have a new intro that's in the works right now that's going to be heading here. So we're not going to play the old intro because you guys always complain that it's loud and long and annoying. So uh, we're just going to go ahead and have the special guest. Well, actually, my helping hand. I got South America with me here. Uh, you guys <laughs> want to introduce yourselves uh, real quick to the audience? Yeah. You got to put the camera on you, though. Hi, I'm Kim. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's my introduction. <laughs> that's it. Kim. Oh, I'm the girl with the umbrellas. There you go. Fantastic. There you go. From, All right. from where? From Colombia. <laughs> He's so shy. Hi. Uh, this is Andy. Uh, you already know me. I'm the only one that can speak English. Um, <laughs> it's funny because uh, like a lot of people that I wouldn't think of, they know me by this this nickname. And yeah, that's it. That's my intro. <laughs> fantastic you guys have a lot of charisma uh that's why they're not the main ones behind the camera guys so anyway uh so guys uh today we're gonna be covering the son of sam man i am uh, really excited to cover this one we did a lot of research for this one i spent the last 48 hours uh researching this case i've already been aware of it and you guys have been requesting it for a long time however um yeah there's a lot to dig into here between cults and shootings and guns and evidence and all that other stuff so uh anything you guys want uh want want to mention before we get into it um i just want to say mm -hmm. that you guys have been requesting this case for a long time and we're finally finally delivering this guy um david Berkowitz or 44 caliber killer and yeah this is uh as i always say to you guys i have a long list of requests i just want to ask you to keep uh leaving your requests in the comments of the videos and send it to at fed reacts now bam um yeah guys so the instagram is fed reacts the um the tiktok is still fed at 1811 i couldn't switch that one but you know we switched and a lot of you guys were wondering hey myron why'd you switch the name the reason why i switched the name guys is because uh fed at 1811 unfortunately is very difficult to find um and fed reacts just easier to find and then a lot of you guys don't understand like a lot of people don't know you guys that watch the show know um 1811 is the code for a uh, criminal investigator or a special agent in uh in the government but a lot of people don't know that so i was just like you know what let me just yeah this is my old hsi shirt by the way guys here back in the day that i used to wear uh one of my raid shirts uh <laughs> yeah we used to kick in the doors and wear these bad boys so that's uh, i figured you know what uh, the debut of fed reacts full episode live stream I'd put this bad boy on. Um, Kim is going to read in the chats, guys, and she'll be starring them on the side for you guys. Don't worry. She'll read it with more charisma this time. I know she's boring <laughs> as fuck, but she'll uh, she'll be more entertaining on it this time. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right into it, guys, because we got some a bunch of video footage to show you guys, a lot of tabs to go through, mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to play some of the Netflix stuff. So I want to warn you guys right now, we're going to be stopping it quite a bit because you guys know in Netflix, they're really finicky about that. You know, they hit the copyright, whatever, live streaming on Twitch right now as well. So if they do take us down, no worries. We will go ahead and make sure <clears throat> to keep the show pushing uh, because what ends up happening is when they go ahead and like say stream suspended or whatever, they'll end up like uh, allowing it to play uh, after the fact, after it's recorded. And you guys will be able to see what you missed. You guys noticed that on the pizza bomber. It's in full now. So, uh, yeah. All right, cool. So let's go ahead and pull up the Wikipedia real fast. Uh, guys, David Berkowitz. Okay. David Richard Berkowitz, born Richard David Falco, uh, June 1st, 1953, also known as the Son of Sam and the 44 caliber killer, is an American serial killer who pleaded guilty to eight shootings that began in New York City on July 29th, 
1976. Berkowitz grew up in New York City and served in the United States Army using a 44 Special caliber bulldog revolver. He killed six people and wounded seven others by July 1977, terrorizing New Yorkers and gaining worldwide notoriety. Berkowitz eluded the biggest police manhunt in the city's history while leaving letters that mocked the police and promised further crimes, which were highly publicized by the press. So um, we're going to go ahead, not into the Netflix yet. Um, Angie, go into the the next tab. I have it in order, remember? Mm -hmm. So here's the biography, guys. So scroll up real quick. Uh, So this is the timeline, guys, of his crimes. Now, um, Kim is going to talk to you guys real quick about, because see, the thing is, before you guys knew him as the son of Sam running around shooting people all over New York City, we got to go ahead and understand the background at the time. So back in the 70s, guys, New York City was an extremely dangerous place to be. It was called Fear City, okay? And there was budget cuts. You had garbage men, firefighters, police officers, city workers in, in general, basically getting cut all over the place. They cut thousands of police officers at this time. And it was just a very dangerous place to be. Times Square was literally uh, just a a porno area. Like it was just like escorts everywhere. I think at the time they had somewhere between 1,200 escorts walking the streets. It was sex shops everywhere. It was a bunch of um, weird dive bars, uh, dive sex bars. It was just a very degenerate place to be back in the 70s. Crime was rampant. And um, as you guys know, I mean, serial killers ran crazy between the 60s all the way up into, I would say, the 1990s. Why? Because DNA wasn't a thing. Police weren't sophisticated. They weren't sharing uh, information. Uh, Centralized databases weren't a thing. All the things that we've talked about in all the other serial killer episodes, why um, serial killers, their heyday was the 60s to the 90s pretty much, was because of uh, primitive police work, okay, that didn't really take a turn for the better until damn near the late 90s and uh, early 2000s. I mean, some of these serial killers weren't caught until later on. As you guys know, we did the episode with BTK. We did it with the Golden State Killer. Um, They didn't catch him until DNA, really, right? They left their DNA on the crime scenes. And, you know, these dudes are busting nuts at the crime scenes. They weren't able to catch (laughs) these guys until later on, matching them to, you know, 23andMe or one of these DNA websites or in the case of the BTK, which you guys should watch that one. Um, they ended up linking him through his daughter who had went to, uh, a univer- I think, University of Kansas. And they went ahead and she went to the doctor uh, to get like a period check or something like that. They had her DNA on file and they were able to match her DNA to the killer. And that's how they figured out her dad was the killer, uh, BTK, a.k.a. Dennis Rader. Go watch that episode, guys, if you guys want to see some craziness. We've covered so many other serial killers as well. But anyway... The point I'm trying to make here, guys, is the 70s were a dark time in American history. Inflation was through the roof, crime was rampant, and New York City was no uh, no better. So um, with that said, real quick, Kim, can you tell them about his first actual attack? Because everyone knows him for uh, killing uh, Donna uh, Loria, who we're going to talk about here in a second. But the reality is he actually attacked back in 1975 for the first time. You want to go through that real quick, Kim? Yeah, so 1975, Christmas Eve, he decided that he was going to attack two women under a bridge in New York. He grabbed his hunting knife and stabbed them seven times. Luckily, neither one of them died. And because of, like, the impact of the moment, they weren't able to, like, recognize him or give a description. But that was his first attack. Yeah, and one of the girls uh, is unidentified, and the other one uh, was a 15-year-old, and she ended up getting uh, seriously injured, and she was uh, in hospital for a week. But um, they don't have any pictures of her or anything like that. But this was where was this again? He did it under a bridge where at something point? I mean, um, It was called Co-op City. OK. In New York. It was just under a random bridge. There was no um, like direct directions. OK. All right. Um, So that was his actual first attack, guys, which not many people uh, know about. 
but that was in 1975. So fast forward to 1976. We're going to go to his first attack here, guys. Let's scroll down real quick, Angie. Mm-hmm. This is a timeline of events here that we're going to be following here. Um, <clears throat> okay. Yeah, so scroll down. Uh, so uh, I can read through this. Across 13 months of 1976 and 1977, fear over the son of Sam murders perpetrated by then-unknown serial killer David Berkowitz gripped the citizens of New York City. Six women and men were shot and killed in three of the city's boroughs in more than a dozen seemingly random attacks. The crime spawned one of the biggest manhunts of the city's history. Yes, this guy, guys, David Berkowitz, was by far the biggest serial killer in United St- uh, in New York City history. I would put him above the torso killer, which I will go ahead and cover him as well on another episode of Fed It. But anyway, tabloid newspapers battled for the latest uh, information as daily sales soared. It had absolutely everything going for it as a tabloid perfect storm. Sam Roberts, the Daily News city editor in 1977, told the New York Times of the media frenzy. It was an ongoing unfolding crime story that New Yorkers were genuinely terrified about. Here's a timeline of one of the most infamous killing sprees in modern history. So July 29th, 1976, the killer attacks his first victim. The shootings first uh, first attributed to the killer uh, who would become known as the Son of Sam, occurred in the Pelham Bay area of the Bronx. Two women, Jody Valenti and Donna Loria, 18, were sitting in Valenti's double-parked Oldsmobile when a man approached the car and fired three bullets. Loria was killed instantly, and Valenti was shot in the thigh before the man walked quickly away. Valenti described their attacker as a white male in his 30s, approximately five foot eight and about 200 pounds, with short, dark, curly hair. So let's go ahead and pull up the... Uh, and Actually, no, the, the second tab. No, 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 no. Go back to the... Set. Yep, that one right there. We're going to show you guys what they look like. So scroll down or scroll up, actually. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Scroll down. Uh, so these are the victims right here, guys. Donna Loria and Jody Valenti. Um, and this was on July 29th, 1976. This was his of- first official murder. As you guys know, he attacked on Christmas Eve in 1975 with a hunting knife. Actually, he didn't shoot in that one, guys. He used a hunting knife in that uh, stabbing. But uh, he ended up becoming the 44 killer after this first murder here, which at this point they didn't identify him. They just knew that it was a shooting of two girls in Bronx. So let's go ahead and run the Netflix clip real quick that documents this. Um, and we're going to pause it throughout, guys, to give you guys a little bit of uh, commentary um, because, as you guys know, Netflix is lame. So let's get into it. Okay, give me one second. Zeno, who was a- okay, no, the- uh, Angie, L. Angie, bro. You should have had this <laughs> set up from the beginning. Hey, you were the one who moved this. Okay, go back. Okay, yeah. Go back to, uh, you already know the times, 5130. Yes. No, 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 back the other way, other way, other way, other way. No, left. No, other way. <laughs> There's a reason I'm doing Stupid. No, pause it, Angie. Yeah, here. Um, it's 5120. Yep. No, other way. You got to go back. Nope. Back more. There we go. Back, uh, nope. Back more. Back more. It's right there. No, back more. You have to go back more, though. Okay. There you go. You can okay. play it from there. All right. Someone start shooting. Pause. July 29th, Pause. 1976. And just so you guys know, like I said before, keep in mind, this is New York City. Very dangerous time. Crime is running rampant. Murders through the roof. You got underfunded police, disgruntled firefighters, disgruntled public workers in general. This was just a very bad time to be in New York City. And what's up happening? This guy d- d- decides to run around and start shooting at people. Okay. Go ahead, run the clip. And, and pause 18 year old Donna Lori was sitting in a car with Jody Valenti in front of Donna's house. Two shots blasted through the car window. Donna was killed instantly. My wife comes screaming in the hall. They were shot. I ran down. By the time I got down, she was dead in the street. That's her father. And that was it. There was nobody around. My daughter was 18 years old, and that's what he took out of my heart. 18 years. 
somebody who shoots somebody for no reason, I mean, it's a story, but in New York City, it happens a lot. So nobody paid that much attention. Pause. And, and uh, go ahead and pull up the uh, map real fast, Angie. Sure. Okay. Uh, just hit. Yep. There you go. It's going to be. So this is where the shooting actually happened, guys. This is 2860 Burr Ave. This is in Bronx, New York, by the way. Um, you guys can see right there. It has like the fencing stuff, like the uh, little, you know, metal things there. But um, <clears throat> that's the exact same building where it happened right in front. Right here. And uh, yeah, you move it, move it backwards a bit so that people get a better view. And then, yeah, move. Yeah. Back. Back. No. I mean, like, yeah, use the arrow. There you go. No, use the arrow from where it was right there. Yep, move it there. Okay, and then twist it back to the side. Drag it. Nope, other way. Other way. Okay, and then see that little thing on the left? Tab that to the left. There you go. This? Yep, collapse that. Boom. So there you go, guys. That's the apartment complex where she was shot. And uh, that was, I think, uh, late at night. It was in the morning. It was like uh, 2 in the morning or something like that, uh, that he just ran up on him and shoot, shot him. And you guys are going to see a trend here that uh, he attacks at night, okay? So let's go back to the uh, Netflix. And then it kept happening. All right, pause. So now we're about to get into the second shooting, guys, on October 23rd, 1976. Go back to the uh, original uh, thing, the timeline. So this happened. Two more people are shot but survive. Carl Denaro, 20, and Rosemary Keenan, 18, were shot at while sitting in a parked car in a residential area of Flushing, Queens. Both survived, but Denaro was struck in the head by one of the bullets. Police would later speculate Denaro may have been mistaken for a woman due to his shoulder-length hair. So uh, let's run the clip, and I'll show you guys where they ended up getting shot back in the day. It was Friday night, no different than any other night. The boss hopping, drinking, doing shots, having fun. Rosemary Keenan walked into the bar. Her and I have hooked up a few times, so we decided to leave. Plus, it's probably so you want to get laid. So this, <laughs> and this, this is not going to end uh, end well here. But hey, man, it's the seventies. This were this was a different time, baby. This is a different time. And you know, back then, you guys got to remember there was no internet. Okay, there was no um, social media, none of this crap. So people were way more social back then. Actually, just so you guys know, they did a study about this and they found that the reason why so many guys aren't, um, I guess, as sexually active or deal with women as much anymore is because uh, back in before um, people drank more alcohol. Nowadays, uh, people drink less alcohol than they did decades prior, which makes sense because people aren't as sociable as they used to be. And I would say the pandemic from 2020 definitely uh exacerbated that situation yep. but um but yeah people were out and about guys back in the 70s 80s and 90s right there was no internet or none of this netflix and crap it's like dude you want to get entertainment you got to go outside yeah because after uh, in new york basically after the years of the prohibition people just went crazy when alcohol was legal so that's why that happened yeah and uh, well i mean i was 50 years prior but still yeah either but way. it's but it's still like people just went crazy like those those that the, that time back that time after the the years of prohibition just people just went nuts yeah and prohibition ended in 1933 if i'm not mistaken which we if you guys want to know, learn more about prohibition go out and watch our mafia series we've yeah. been covering prohibition <laughs> extensively because prohibition is the reason why the mafia became a multi-million dollar criminal enterprise and in today's standards it was a billion dollar enterprise um if you take those dollars back then to now so, um, yeah. Okay, but, we can show the, the playlist uh, after the video. Yeah, 
uh, let's go back to uh, let's go back to uh, Mr. Denaro and him getting laid. About are trying to. We get into a car and we just pull in front of this house on 159th Street. I think we might have lit up a joint. Free love. You know, it felt like the car exploded. All the glass had broken. There was little pieces embedded in my hands. I yelled to Rosemary. I said, just start the car. Get out of here. Pause. All right. Let's show you guys exactly where this went down. Uh, let's go back to the map, Angie. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um... All right. Uh, right there. Yep. One. So, guys, this is where the shooting went down. Uh, you got to share a screen, though, Angie. Oh, my God. This is... This is very difficult. You know. Okay. Collapse okay. that. Collapse the tab on the left. There you go. Boom. All right. Um, and shout out to Angie, man. She's doing okay. Still <laughs> fucking up. Stupid. But she's doing okay. So, uh, guys, so this is where the shooting happened. So they pulled up right here on 33rd and 159th. If you move it to the side a little bit, Angie, we can go ahead and get a more vantage view. Uh, and then, Yep. There you go. And then move it to the left a little bit. More to the... Yep. There you go. And then move the arrow. Yep. There you go. Set yourself up there. Yep. Click that. Click... No, you want no. me to go this way? Yeah. That way. Click that. And then spin it around. Um, so that's where they pulled in pretty much guys right here. You can see right there. 159th is right there. Zoom in a bit. You can use the, yeah, there you go. Yeah, okay. Come, come closer. Yeah, there you go. You can see there are 159th at 33rd Avenue. And this is in Queens guys. So this is pretty much where he got shot, uh, right in front of that Brown house there. Uh, let's go back to the documentary. Okay. Oh shit. What happened? Uh, just hit, um, go back to playing, continue watching, scroll down, scroll down. Yeah, there you go, country. Yeah, yeah. Easy. Police have captured. About four o'clock in the morning, I wake up and my head's wrapped in a thousand feet of gauze. I have a splitting headache. Two detectives show up because, you know, should I call your parents? Pause. And I tell them. And also, guys, I want to make a note here that, uh, you know, the son of Sam or, you know, at this point, they don't know it's the son of Sam yet. He had been shooting individuals that had dark, long hair. Okay, uh, he had kind of a type. It looks like. Um, Kim, you want to tell talk talk a little bit about that? Where this came from? So apparently, when he was in the army, he had a girlfriend. Her name was Iris, and she left him for another guy. And he wrote a note to her saying, "Like, I know how to shoot. Don't make me kill you. Or don't make me use my gun." And apparently, all his victims ended up looking like. His ex-girlfriend. So that's yeah. fun. <laughs> that uh, that's that's one theory, but there is another theory that says that it's also because the uh, because it, his parents left him. He was a, a orphan. He was not an orphan. He he just like his parents just dumped gave him. him up for adoption. Yeah. So uh, he never got to meet his mother until he was like sixteen or something, and he had like a little bit of resentment toward his mother. So people will say that was also because of his mother. But yeah. All right. Uh, let's keep playing the the clip here, and we got something actually a little bit of a theory here, a conspiracy theory, um, as to who actually shot Denaro that we're going to go into later on. All right. As long as I'm home by seven, my mother will never know I'm out. And he, <laughs> he, his answer to me was, "Son, you were shot in the head. You're not going home." Yeah, bro. <laughs> Pause. U ultimate cock block right there, bro. <laughs> Is, was this shooter um all right let's fast forward now to uh the third the third shooting uh angie 4904 okay yep yep go back a little bit remember use the right no angie no other way other way yep 
Sorry. Yeah. This is kind of hard. You have the notes there. Yeah, no, I know, but the thing is that the the thing here in Netflix just it's fine. Just keep playing it. Just keep playing it. It's fine. Doesn't show you. Okay. There you go. I'll leave it here. Yeah, you could play there. So now Donald DeMassi and Joanne. Rewind it back ten seconds. And guys, this is going to be the third shooting here now on uh, November twenty seventh, nineteen seventy six. So here's the timeline. The first one was Ju- uh, July twenty ninth, nineteen seventy six. Second one, which he just shot this guy in the head, Denaro. Uh, October 23rd, 1976, so three months later. And then a month later, approximately November 27th, 1976, he attacks again. And uh, let's go ahead and pull up that timeline one more time. Okay. Let's pull up that timeline. Uh, and this timeline, guys, here. No, the timeline, yep. And then, uh, uh, so what November date? 27th, 1976, a couple is attacked by a man in military fatigues. Following a late movie, Donna Damasi, 16, and Joanne Lamino, 18, were headed to Lamino's head in Flo- home, sorry, in Flora Park, Queens, where they were approached by uh, on the street by a man dressed in military fatigues who produced a revolver and shot each woman once. Their attacker fired several more times before running away. Though shot in the neck, Damasi survived without permanent injury. Lamino was shot in the back and was paralyzed. So uh, let's go back. We're going to show this shooting as well for y'all. Okay, uh, you want me to show the place? Uh, no, no, no. Show the, show, we'll the pull Netflix. the Netflix up first. Okay. Yep. And like I said before, guys, while Angie pulls this up, Should I apologize. We're going to have to pause it often because it's Netflix. Y'all know how it's it is. Just... We don't want the stream to get shut down. So, uh, all right, go ahead and hit play. Random. Two days after Thanksgiving, it was almost 1 a.m. Donna DeMassi and Joanne Lamino were standing on the stoop of Miss Lamino's home in Bellrose. The killer began firing. He hit Donna DeMassi in the neck, Joanne Lamino in the back. Both survived. Joanne Lamino is paralyzed. After that shooting, the police department get the police artists to see if he can do a composite sketch. Pause. When we made sketch. Get a good look at that individual, guys, okay? I want to ask y'all, does that look like David Berkowitz? Does it really? <laughs> Because it doesn't look like it to me, man. All right? Definitely doesn't look like him to me. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit more detail later on uh, about who this individual might be. All right. Let's keep running. And people are caught. They usually resemble the person. Is there ever something which is completely different? Not often. Not often. Uh, I think that he'll look something like this. The young people were the ones who were getting hurt. They were out alone, lovers' lanes, and right, they were getting it. hurt. In- Let's show you guys where they got hit, um, these two girls. Um, they got hit right around this area right here, okay? And this is in uh, in Queens here. Looks like it's changed quite a bit. If you rotate it around, um, it's been upgraded. It looks like the homes have been changed. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's uh, in on that street right there pretty much. This is where it was. And um, if you go ahead and click, I think um, – Hit the tab after that, Angie. The tab after. The tab after. See it. See it right there. Yeah, click that one. Okay. Um, and this is from. Oh yeah. no, that's gonna be the next one. Okay, so let's go ahead and uh, go back to Netflix series and go to forty-eight fifteen. Right. Now we're gonna get into the four shooting, guys. Okay, guys. So quick little recap while Angie pulls this up. You got the first shooting, right, on July 29th, 1970. Well, actually, if we're going to go all the way, we had Christmas Eve, 1975. Two women are attacked and stabbed uh, in what part again? Uh, Co-op City, New Co- York. Co-op City, New York, right? 
Um, one is unidentified. The other one ended up being identified as a 15-year-old high school student. Then you got the first actual murder with a gun, which was on July 29th, 1976, uh, of Donna Loria. Then the second shooting occurred with um, uh, Carl Denaro on October 23rd, 1976. That was out in on 159th to 33rd out there in, in Queens trying to get laid, and he got cock-blocked. Then... Got the third shooting with uh, Dana Damasi and Joanne Lamino. They survived. This was on November 27, 1976. However, they ended up uh, one getting per uh, permanently um, paralyzed and one getting hit in the neck. Now we're going to go into the fourth shooting, guys, on January 30th, 1977. Uh, let's roll the clip. Andrew, you got to share screen, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you. Give me one second. You guys have to bear with me because this is stupid. She's the right name. Christine Froon, 26 years old, is dead in a shooting that has no apparent motive. An explosion came, like, you know, at the same second as I heard it, I turned. And Chris fell towards me with her head. I grabbed her and I started screaming, Chris, 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 you know? The police say this is a senseless killing. There is no Pause. suspect, certainly. And just so you guys know, John Deal was her fiance, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh... So obviously, you know, to, to watch your fiance get murdered right in front of you is crazy getting uh, shot at. No motive. I was working in the 15th homicide zone in Queens, and we were told that there was a shooting outside the Forest Hills uh, Railroad Station. I saw the damage from the gunshot. The size of the lead bullet in on the dashboard of the car was kind of unusual i've experienced all types of rounds and so on and that's the first time i ever saw one that large boom pause it took me back a little bit this and as you guys can see here just so you guys kind of have an idea you got a 22 on the far left a 25 in the middle a 38 right which at the time which is what the police were issued um with revolvers and then you got a 44 which is a huge round guys i mean if you really want to do some damage uh you hit someone with a 44 and that's gonna that's gonna fuck them up um so obviously for someone to be using this type of round back then and all these shootings now they're starting to see a trend here okay guys uh with the 44 caliber um also um let me go ahead and show you guys real fast where the shooting went down um, the shooting went down, guys, right here in this area, 10 Station Square in New York. As you can see, a nice little area here. Uh, and she got shot pretty much across the street from uh, – go back to Angie where it was before, where you had it. So that's the uh, that's the inn right there, the Forest Hills Inn that the detective was just mentioning. She got shot, if I'm not mistaken, across the street. Spin it around if you can. There you go. Spin it around a little bit more. Like right there in that area right here. Yep, looks like right in that area is where she ended up uh, getting shot while she was in her vehicle. Um, with her with her fiance and let's go ahead and pull up that old article guys i went ahead and got y'all the article from the new york times dated january 31st 1977 so this is actually a, an older article um and we'll read some of it here um a young wall street worker from queens was shot to death early yesterday for no apparent reason while sitting in her companion with her companion in a parked car on Quiet Forest Hill Street waiting for the engine to warm up, the police said. As you guys know, uh, for the people out there that aren't familiar with New York weather, um, it is cold as fuck in that time of the year. So it's very common to warm up your car uh, prior to doing anything, which 
obviously back then in the seventies, you know, you didn't have heated seats and all this other stuff. You got to sit there and let it warm up a bit before you end up driving or else you're going to mess up your engine. Okay. Uh, the shooting prompted the police to search records and memories for other apparently senseless killings in the past to see whether there was a possible link. They said two bullets fired through the window of the car's passenger side struck the woman, Christine front 26 years old, uh, 5818 Linden Street, Ridgewood. That's where she's from. Uh, the shooting took place at 1230 a.m. in front of the one station square opposite the Forest Hills Inn at the Long Island Railroad Station, the police said. Miss Frund uh, struck in the head above the ear and in the right shoulder, died about four hours later at St. John's Hospital in Elmhurst, officials said. She must be here, right? And uh, yeah, scroll down. Uh, that's Carl Denaro who got shot, as you guys know, in the head. He survived. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is uh, Donna DeMassey. She was uh, wounded. Um, but uh, And then the other girl, Christine Front. Oh, the, Christine Front. There she is right there. They didn't have a picture of the other girl. But yeah, there you go. Christine Front uh, shot in the head, killed January 30th, 1977. And they showed the picture of her also in the, in the Netflix documentary. Uh, but yeah, let's go back to the Netflix doc. Okay. You, want me to play you can hit play. Here? Yeah, keep playing. This it. is the second time in the last few months that an incident like this has happened in Queens. Well, there's any connection we can't really say at this time. All right, pause. Translation, we are frustrated as hell. We're understaffed, <laughs> underpowered, undermanned, and we don't know what the hell is going on. Okay? All we know is that we got a crazy lunatic running around shooting people with 44 caliber bullets. And we don't know what the fuck is going on. Okay. That's what that's that, my friends, is the voice of frustration. All right. Um, because typically, pause. When you have a situation like this, guys, where you're you got pandemonium, you got people running around shooting, etc., uh, you want to be able to tell the pe- pol- people um positive news. And when you say something like that, you clearly don't have any leads. Um, and this is you guys are gonna see here that they're gonna form a task force to uh you know go after this guy later on um guys just so you guys know we're, i know we got the super chats uh come uh piling up we're gonna read them here in a bit i'm just prepared because as you guys know we're playing netflix content so you already know what time it's gonna be they're gonna more than likely at some point maybe suspend the stream or whatever so if they do that then we'll read the chats um we're live on twitch right now as well so open up another tab watch us on twitch if you guys are watching us on youtube love y'all do me a favor like the video subscribe to the channel already it's uh fed reacts let's get this thing uh, to have a mill, man. This channel, yeah, bro. This is the best true crime channel on YouTube, right? I don't give a fuck. Nobody says we're the best. Fuck everybody else. We're out here giving y'all, you know, documentary, showing you guys old archived articles. I'm using my professional experience, breaking it down for y'all about how um, these cases are solved, etc. Um, giving you guys a professional insight. No, there's no former federal agents that are on here giving y'all the kind of sauce that we're giving you guys. And I got, you know, two pretty Latinas with me here as well. Uh, even though one of them has zero charisma and the other one can't speak English, it's fine. All right, I got y'all. All right, I'm giving y'all everything. Where, where, where other true crime channel provides this kind of value? Nowhere. All right, so like the goddamn video, subscribe to the channel, and uh, okay, let's go back to it. Now we're gonna go over to March 8th, 1977, guys. This dude is cold blooded, bro. He's serious on some demon time. <laughs> so, about two months later, he attacks again. It was pitch dark and I saw a number of people standing around and then noticed a body on the uh, ground motionless beautiful young girl it, was, it just really broke it down 19 year old student at Columbia University Virginia Voskarichian killed while walking home suddenly a shot was fired at point blank range Virginia Voskarichian fell to the pavement with blood spurting from a face wound pause 
just so you guys know, um, and, and bring it on me, uh, uh, Angie. Yeah, just so you guys know, what ended up happening is she actually got shot in the mouth because it shattered her teeth. Like, it completely shattered her teeth, right, the 44 round, and went and lodged into the back of her skull. Yeah. So, and it, they sh- and the person that shot her shot her pretty much, like, right there, point-blank range. Yeah, the thing is that she Go was ahead. walking down the street, and she covered her face with the with her with a book because she got scared. The guy was pointing at her and he was right there in front of her. So she she covered herself with a book and the book clearly did not do it. Yeah, well <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, man. Okay, she probably had one of them expensive ass textbooks from Columbia University too and it didn't do nothing. Yeah. Um which which by the way guys, Columbia University a very good school, Ivy League school uh, out of New York for some of you guys that are wondering. Uh well I think there's nine Ivy League schools in the United States. You got Columbia Harvard, Yale, Dartmouth, Princeton. NYU? No, hell no. Stanford? No, Stanford is not an Ivy League school. Even though it's considered an Ivy League, um, it's called the Ivy League of the West. You don't think NYU is a good school? I don't think what? NYU is a good school? Nope. No, school sucks. Uh, I wanted to study no, it's there. a good school. It's a good school for the arts. It's a good school for the arts. But nowadays, it's probably totally woke and trash. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, damn. I, I, uh, Brown. Other? Yes, Brown and Providence. So that's six. Okay, that Cornell. And then Cornell. Thank you, Ithaca, New York. There you go. Seven. That's the chat. That's uh, that's the chat right. There. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, yo, Kim, how do you know this? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's seven Ivy League schools, if I'm not mistaken. It, it total. I thought it was nine, but yeah, it's seven. They're all in. They're all in. Uh, oh, UPenn. Eight. UPenn is, is in New York. No, that's in uh, Penn, Philadelphia. University of Penn. Yeah, UPenn. Yeah, University of Pennsylvania. The and then that's Providence, eight. And then, so... uh, damn it, where's the last one? They're, they're mentioning Providence. Providence is Brown. Princeton. Okay. Princeton. I already said that. That's in Princeton, New Jersey. Really nice state. They, I, I went there uh, for a race my, one time. My, my, my dreams. I wanted to study in NYU. <laughs> yeah, school is trash. Bro. And Brown. That school is trash. I also had like Brown. Hell, school, bro. Hell, university. <laughs> Hold on. Now, now I'm gonna. Okay, you got Columbia. You got so you Dart- got Columbia, Mount? New York. You got Cornell and Ithaca. They're you got MIT. Brown. No, MIT doesn't count. Dartmouth. You got Dartmouth and uh, Vermont. You got uh, Providence. Uh, you got Brown and Providence. Uh, you got Yale and New Haven, Connecticut. You got New uh, um, Penn in Pennsylvania. You're saying Hustler's University? Hustler's University. <laughs> uh, and then, damn, I, I Did can't. Did you say Harvard already? Harvard, yep. So I can't believe Yale. I just said Yeah, Harvard is, Harvard is in Boston. Well, Cambridge, technically. And then I can't remember. That's seven. I can't remember the last one. Mm-hmm. The last one or two. Well, if you know, guys, you can drop it in the chat. Yeah, it Please. is what it is. I, the reason why I know this, guys, is because when you row, all the all the Ivy League schools have good rowing teams. So you row against, you race against all these teams. So that's why I They I'm said familiar. that there's only eight. It is it's eight, so I'm missing one then, and it's, uh, we might have named it earlier. I think either. you said eight. Yeah, I think I said eight total, but I forget the last one. But oh, anyway, okay. uh, yeah, so this girl uh, had one of them Columbia textbooks. I guess it didn't do anything, but rest in peace to her. Obviously, this guy fucking on some on some crazy time. So let's real quick, I'll show y'all. Actually, you know what? We could keep playing the Netflix thing, and then I'll show you guys where this murder actually occurred. This is supposed to be a very quiet, low-crime area. I, th- I thought so, too. It's really a lovely area to live, and I enjoy it here. I like the area. But when two incidents like this happen... If, two incidents? Well, the other shooting that happened over here a month ago, just, you know, right around the corner from here. There has been some speculation tying this sort of a shooting, this sort of a uh, 
uh, a killing with that of uh, Mr. Freund uh, January 30th. Uh, at this point in our investigation, uh, we have no reason to believe that the cases are connected. Pause. Stupid. And this just goes to show uh, Bush League uh, police work back then. The cases are absolutely connected. I'm going to show you guys why. Go back real quick. Um, uh, okay. I was going to say Christina. My bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the revenge you get. Uh, just so you guys know, before the show started, Angie called Kim Christina, which is hilarious. <laughs> Fucking yeah! See, she thinks that shit is funny. <laughs> oh my god! I'm okay, so click the next tab over, Angie. Click okay, the next tab. It's this one? Yeah, this is where the murder actually occurred, guys. So the location where David Berkowitz shot Virginia Voskarichian. Uh, uh, this is the location where Virginia Voskarichian was shot. Uh, by dead by the son of Sam, David Berkowitz. The site is situated outside of an apartment uh, complex on Dartmouth Street in Forest Hills, New York. And just so you guys know how close it is, scroll down real quick, Angie. I'll show you all how close it is. Scroll down some more. Scroll down some more. More, more, more. More. Keep going. That's the original photo. You can see the, the body right there oh on the floor. Oh, my God. Here's the crime scene Yeah, photo. that's the crime scene photo from back then. Uh, Come down. Come down more. Oh. There you go. Boom. So scroll up. You guys could see it was right near the Forest Hills um, area where Frond was shot literally a month prior. Same exact area, okay? Um, and you guys can see just from the location. See where the shooting is there, Angie? Yeah. It's right next to that red dot is where the other woman, Christine Frond, was shot. So go back to, so yeah, here, see, yeah, and... yeah. It, actually, matter of fact, yeah. So go back. So there's Dart Mystery, right? Mm -hmm. Rotate it to the, yeah, collapse that side. Rotate it to the other side, Angie, to the right. Yeah, there you go. Boom. There you go. You can already see it right there on the left. See? That's the area where Christine was shot. Here? No, it's the left. Okay. Here. See right there, that area over there? You can see it back over there where it has the orange, the, the cobblestone yeah, yeah. on the floor. So, yeah. So they was literally shot right next, right, right next door to each other. Well, not next door, but right down the street from each other. Literally a couple hundred feet. A couple hundred yards. Uh, okay, go back to the uh, that article before. Yeah, right there. Boom. Scroll up. No, up, up, up. Keep going. Keep going. Um, okay. So I'll read this for you guys real quick. Um, so on the evening of March 8, 1977, Vas uh, was traveling home from Bernard College in Manhattan. After leaving the Forest Hill 71st Avenue subway station, the 20-year-old proceeded to walk south along Continental Avenue. Her intended destination was Exeter Street, which was just a five-minute walk away. By the time she reached Dartmouth Street, it was roughly 7.30 p.m. Back in 1987, in 1977, the street had poor lighting and one of the bulbs was broken. As a result, the area was very dark. Shortly after she turned right onto Dartmouth Street, Berkowitz approached her and shot her at close range. Although she attempted to block the shot with her textbooks, the bullet penetrated them and struck her in the face. Oh, wow. Good good work, Angie. I didn't know. Okay. You, you get it from, get this from here or from so, something else? What? Because how'd you get that? Uh, you were right about the books. Yeah, I was reading it. Okay. According to an outside autopsy report, the bullet smashed through her teeth and lodged in the back of her skull, killing her almost immediately. When the attack took place, an elderly man who was in the area heard a pop that sounded like a firecracker. He then saw a pudgy youth with a stocking cap fleeing the scene of the crime. Not long after, a young man discovered uh, Voskarichian's body near the sidewalk. Although he attempted to revive her, he ran off to call the police when he noticed that there was blood coming out of her mouth. Okay, so Berkowitz changed his MO. Scroll down a bit. Um, following his arrest, Berkowitz claimed that he killed Voskarichian in an attempt to switch up his MO and confuse the police. Up until that point, he had been mostly targeting couples. By shooting a single female, he's trying to make himself seem less predictable. Six weeks earlier, Berkowitz had shot Christine Frun and John Deal while they sat in the car 
at a nearby location. Initially, the police publicly claimed that there was no evidence to suggest that the two shootings were related, which you guys just saw here a second ago. However, it wasn't long before the media learned that similar large caliber bullets had been used in both of the killings. Okay, so let's go ahead back to the doc real quick, um, Angie, and we're going to go to uh, 41. Oh seven. I, I want to say something. Yeah, I go ahead. Remember where? Why I'm, you talk? Sorry. Forty one oh seven. I remember where I I learned about that, and it was my girl baby. Sorry, and shout out to her. Yeah. <laughs> how can I? How can, I... Stupid. <laughs> can you can you give her a donut, Marco? No, her? because I cannot find the button. Nope. Case. No, I will not. Uh, um, all right. So uh, go uh, go ahead and go to um to forty one oh seven now, Angie. Forty one. Yeah, forty forty one oh seven. Now we're going to go ahead and cover the sixth shooting, guys, okay? Um, yeah, just keep going, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Use can the I... right one. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Kim, what are your thoughts on this while Angie pulls that up? You can, you can hide the screen, Angie, while you do it. Right. Um, just replying to the chats, this is live because they were saying that you were out of town, so if this was pre-recorded... Oh, no, this is live, guys. We are this live. is live. You don't see all the fuck-ups? We fuck do ups? it live. Yeah, this is definitely live. I was yeah. out of town, but right there is fine, Angie. Um... Yeah, right. Yeah, right there is fine. Um, yeah, guys. I oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, guys. I was out of town. I was in Connecticut. I my, I went to go see uh, my brother graduate uh, from college. Uh, and uh, yeah, though I was there for a few days, and then I uh, came back because I wanted to do an episode of Fed it And uh, yeah, I wanted to give don't, you all that don't sauce. Don't know Marco for graduating. Yeah, shout out to my to my little bro for graduating. Um, okay, and I and I dragged Angie. Actually, Angie dragged herself with me. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to bring her if I'm going to be honest that with y'all, but she forced herself to come basically. So, uh, yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, roll this clip. You can keep me on the side there, Angie. You don't have okay. to enlarge it. Yep. All right. From his first attack, 18-year-old Valentina Suriani and her steady boyfriend, 20-year-old Alexander Esau, were parked in his car on the Hutchinson River Parkway service road. At 3 a.m., three shots tore through the side window of the car. Valentina died, a bullet wound in the head. Alexander was hit twice in the head. He died at nine o'clock last night. Pause. And just so you guys know, this went down on April 17th, 1977. So approximately one month later, after um, killing Virginia uh, Vasquitrian at close, close quarters range, right? Shooting her in the face. He attacks this couple sitting in a vehicle in, uh, in Hutchison uh, River Parkway, which I think this is the Bronx which I'll show you guys this on the map in a little. No, you can keep you running, wanna, okay. keep running the clip, and I'll, uh, I'll. But you gotta, yeah, go, you gotta share on screen though, Angie. All right. The chat is asking for you to like enlarge it instead of showing both. Uh, enlarge it. Yeah. No, but this is better because if Netflix. Yeah, that's the reason why, guys, because uh, Netflix might be lame mm -hmm. and try to hit us with the, you know, the with the thing. thing. Yeah, so that's why we're doing it that way. At the scene of the uh, Suriana Isu homicide. He left a letter that was addressed to me. Pause. I think I have this letter somewhere in full. Um, mm -hmm. Go through the tabs, Angie. You do. Yeah, I have it in uh, full. It's, uh, I think it's this boom. One, right? There we go. So here's the letter, guys. We're going to actually read it in full for no, you guys. He's going to summarize it in the Netflix series, but I'm going to read it in full, then we'll go back to it, okay? So. No, up. that's not it. No, it's this is it. This is it. This is a letter he wrote to, to Borelli, who was the captain of the NYPD at the time, leading the investigation. All right. I'm deeply hurt by your calling me a woman hater, spelled women hater. I am not, but I'm a monster because this guy was, I guess, that's a... my women hater. Yeah. Okay, bro. <laughs> uh, I am the son of Sam. So he finally takes, he calls himself a name, right? 
So I'm deeply hurt by your calling me a woman hater. I am not, but I am a monster. I am the son of Sam. I'm a little brat. When father and guys make uh, keep in mind that term brat. Okay. When father Sam gets drunk, he gets mean. He beats his family. Sometimes he ties me up to the back of the house. Other times he locks me in the garage. Sam loves to drink blood. Go out and kill commands. Father Sam behind our house. Some rest. Mostly young, raped, and slaughtered. Their blood drained. Just bones now. Papa Sam keeps me locked in the attic, too. I can't get out, but I look out the attic window and watch the world go by. I feel like an outsider. I'm on a different wave. Length than everybody else programmed to kill. However, to stop me, you must kill me. Attention all police. Was that? YouTube is down. YouTube is down. Why? Yep. Says stream oh, yes, available. It is down. That we didn't even play it. What the hell? Yeah, YouTube down. Uh, just hit YouTube now down right now. That's fine. So this is what we'll do because I already planned for this. We're live on Twitch right now though, so no <laughs> worries. I already knew this was probably going to happen. So we plan ahead, guys, over here on Fed React. So don't worry about it. Um, down, down the microphone. Yeah. What was that? Down the microphone. For what? For planning ahead? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, well when we're back i'll hit the donna marco we should be back give it like eh, 45 seconds to a minute we'll be back on youtube no biggie tell oh. the, uh, tell the people over on youtube to uh Go to, to, to give it a second yeah come on over to twitch guys uh drop the twitch it's it's twitch.tv slash fresh and fit it's I, been down for a few minutes it's been down for a few minutes yeah really that's what the chat is saying hmm all right, it'll be back. Sus. The chat, the chat. No, no, no. It can't have been down for a few minutes. I mean, I've been playing in here. Yeah, yeah it's been minutes. down. Everyone's saying it's been down. Okay. Go to Rumble. That's what like they're saying. Minutes. Like two minutes. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. It'll uh, it'll be back up when. Yeah, Let's we're back up now. We're back up. I see us on you. We're back on YouTube. Oh, uh, yeah, all right. So Something... let's let's go back. Did they miss the whole letter? I'll read the letter from the beginning. So guys, we're gonna go ahead and read the letter. This is the letter that um, son of Sam, aka allegedly David Berkowitz, wrote to the police captain at the time, Borelli. I'm deeply hurt by your calling me a woman hater. I am not, but I am a monster. I am the son of Sam. I am a little brat. When Father Sam gets drunk, he gets mean. He beats his family. Sometimes he ties me up to the back of the house. Other times he locks me in the garage. Sam loves to drink blood. Go out and kill, commands Father Sam. Behind our house, some rest. Mostly young, raped, and slaughtered. Their blood drained. Just bones now. Papa Sam. Keeps me locked in the attic too. I can't get out, but I look out the attic and uh, the attic window and watch the world go by. I feel like an outsider. I am on a different wavelength than everybody else, programmed to kill. However, to stop me, you must kill me. Attention, all police! Shoot me first. Shoot to kill, or else keep me out of uh, keep out of my way, or you will die. Papa Sam is old now. He needs some blood to preserve his youth. He has had too many heart attacks, too many heart attacks. Uh, me, uh, hoot, it hurts, sonny boy. <laughs> okay, that was weird. Okay, I guess, yeah. Okay, let me read that again. Uh, uh me, hoot, it hurts, sonny boy. It hurts, sonny boy. I miss my pretty princess. Most of all, she's resting in our lady's house, but I'll see her soon. I'm the monster, Belize bub. Beelzebub. Oh, Beelzebub, the chubby. Behemoth. Behemoth. <laughs> I love to hunt, prowling the streets, looking for fair game, tasty meat. The demon of queens. No, the women of queens the are the prettiest of all. I must be the water they drink. I live for the human 
No, I live for the hunt. My life, blood for Papa. Mr. Borelli, sir, I don't want to kill anymore. No, sir, no more. But I must honor thy father. I want to make love to the world. I love people. I don't belong on earth. Return me to Yahoo's. Okay. I want to make love to the world. Yeah, I, bro, this guy's on his fucking... He's on some crazy shit right now, man. <laughs> to the people of Queens, I love you, and I want to wish all of you a happy Easter. May God bless you in this life and in the next. And for now, I say goodbye and good night. Police, let me haunt you with these words. I'll be back. I'll be back. To be interpreted... As bang, 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 <laughs> uh. Yours in murder, Minster Monster. Oh, it's okay. That... So something with this letter is the first one you wrote all the way to the top. Yeah, um, this is the first letter he, letter he ever wrote the to first the police. He page, left it at the crime scene. He, the first time he named himself Son of Sam. Yeah. yeah, the first page, that one right there. They should remember that for what we're going to go into later. Or you should read it later. Uh, where it says I'm a little brat, right? Um, no, the whole thing itself. It ties into a lot of the the theories we have going. Yes, on. yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and uh, run that Netflix clip Oops, again. Sorry. Um, and we're back, by the way. So I'm going to give ourselves a Don DeMarco. And for all you guys are watching right now, don't worry. When we play this back on uh on YouTube. Like, it, it'll be there it'll just take like a little bit and don't worry we're gonna put like you know um detailed timestamps in there for you guys so don't worry you can know yeah, yeah so you guys know exactly where to go so he's gonna summarize the letter for y'all that we just went over you can fast you know you know what go ahead um play and fast forward yeah fast forward a little bit okay here i'll get that okay there okay uh yep boom yep okay hit play real fast do it Unbeknownst to Captain Borelli, we set it up to have surveillance on his house. Pause. House. Yeah, because they were they were obviously worried that he knew who Borelli was at this point, and he knew that he was pretty much leading the manhunt at this point because there was a task force assembled uh, called the uh, Omega Strike Force uh, or Omega Task Force uh, to go ahead and get this guy. So uh, let's go back to the uh, timeline, uh, Angie, that original timeline. Back, okay. uh, yep, right there. So... Um, and this was after he killed. Oh, let's go back to actually. I'm sorry. Hit where see where it says 1878 in the tabs, mm, yes. right there. Boom. Here. This is where he uh, shot and killed um, Valenti Siriani and Alex Saw 1878 Hutchinson River Parkway, and this is in um, the Bronx, um, and that's where he left his first letter to the police that I just read for you guys as well. Um, click the uh, news article right there, Angie. Right. Uh, no. To, no. Uh, no. No, the, the one before 1878, the tab before it, the tab before it. Oh, here. Yeah, right there. Um, scroll up. So uh, once again, guys, got y'all the original 1977 article. Okay, this was a day. This was a day later. Scroll down real quick. Um, a young woman was shot to death and her male companion was critically wounded early yesterday as they sat in a parked car in the Bronx. The police said the killing was similar to the slaying of three other women in the city over the last nine months. In all four cases, the police said ballistics tests indicated that the shots were fired from the same 44 caliber revolver. Three of the victims were slain while sitting with a companion in a parked car with the bullet fired through a window. The fourth was killed while walking home at night. Each of the young women had long brown hair, the police said. Two of the killings were in the Bronx, two in Queens. Scroll down. Um, 
at a news conference yesterday at the 43rd Precinct House, uh, or Precinct Station House, and 900 Fretley, Fetley Avenue, John Keenan, chief of detectives, said, there did not seem to be a sensible motivation for these shootings. It seems to be the work of a psychologically disturbed person. The police disclosed last night that a note had been found near the car in which the two young persons were shot yesterday, but they would not discuss its contents, which that's the letter we just read for you guys here a second ago. <laughs> no, no. And you it definitely, I can see why I didn't want to give it to the press back then, bro. This dude <laughs> was on some crazy time, um, but they would not discuss its contents. No notes were found at the scenes of the previous slayings. Besides dead, the, the dead women, three other women, and another man had been wounded by the 44 caliber revolver, the police said. Yesterday's victims were identified as Valentina Siriani, 18, a Lehman College student of 1950 Hutchinson Parkway in the Bronx, and Alexander Assel, a tow, uh, tow car helper of 352 West 46th Street. So as you guys can see, she got killed literally right down the street from her house because um, mm -hmm. she got killed at 1878 Hutchinson Parkway. They were shot about 3 a.m. as they sat in a car belonging to Mr. Assel's brother on the service road in front of 1878 Hutchinson River Parkway about a block from the girl's home. Scroll down real quick, Angie. I think that's it, right? Nope. Uh, the couple were longtime friends. Mr. Assal called for Miss Suriani at 9 p.m. Sorry, night to take her to a movie. They were sitting in the front seat of the car, Miss Suriani behind the driver's wheel, when the shots were fired through a closed window on the driver's side. A resident of a nearby building heard four shots and called the police. When the police arrived, they found Miss Suriani dead and Mr. Assal unconscious from two bullet wounds, one in the head. He was taken to Jacob Jacoby Hospital, where his condition was reported as critical. Chief Keenan said he was putting every available detective in the Bronx to work on the shootings. He said that detectives from Queens, where uh, where other killings had taken place, were being consulted. The first woman killed by the sniper was Donna Laurie, 18, who was shot last... Uh, he, they put silly. They, I think they meant to say July 29th. And she sat in a car with a woman friend in front of 2660 Burr Avenue in the Bronx. Her friend Jody Valentine, 19, was wounded in the thigh. So here, guys, right? So let's go run through the murders real fast, okay? So on July 29th, 1976, you have the murder of Donna Loria. That is in the Bronx, right? Then the second shooting on October 23rd, 1976, was of Carl DeNaro. That's in Queens, right there on 159th and 33rd uh, Avenue. Then the third shooting is Donna uh, Demosi, Demosi and, and Joanne Lamino, and that's on November uh, 27, 1976. That is also in the Queens. Uh, also in the Queens. Then you got the fourth shooting on January 30th, 1977 of John Deal and Christine Frond in Queens as well. Christine Frond ends up dying from the shooting. Her uh, fiance, John Deal, survives. Then the fifth shooting, Virginia Vaskerchian, the Columbia student, is killed. Also, literally hundreds, a couple hundred feet from where Christine was shot in uh, the Forest Hills area, also, which is, I believe, Queens. Then you got Valentina Soriani and Alex Asaw on April 17th, 1977, be, uh, being killed in the Bronx over there on Hutchison River Parkway. So uh, now we're going to go to the um, back to the timeline, Angie, please. The timeline timeline. Uh, oh, here. Now we're going to go to uh, and here's the shootings, actually, guys, on a map. You guys can see here. So you got the Bronx, right? Two shootings on the Bronx. Mm -hmm. Then you got one. Uh, you got a, a bunch of them in Queens. Two, yeah. Two. Four of them in Queens, or excuse me, five of them in Queens. And then you got one in Brooklyn, which we're going to cover later on, okay? He just randomly, he was like going crazy in Queens, and then he just decided to go to Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And he did that to break up the, uh, it was too much the heat pattern. in the Queens at the time. Yeah. Uh, so let's scroll down a bit. And we're going to talk about the date of relevancy as well there. Uh, keep going, keep going. Uh, 
what? Go go to uh, May. No, up. May what? We're May 30th, 1977. Okay, here. okay, so a columnist receives a handwritten letter from someone claiming to be the killer. Daily News columnist Jimmy Breslin received a handwritten letter from someone claiming to be the shooter. Within the writer, name checks one of the first victims, Loria, warning Breslin to not forget her, and you cannot let the people forget her either. She was very, very sweet girl, but Sam's a thirsty lad, and he won't let me stop killing until he gets his fill of blood. The letter was signed, Son of Sam. The Daily News presented the mass, uh, missive to police and 10 days later published a redacted version in which would become one of the paper's biggest selling issues ever with more than 1 million copies sold. Holy shit, man. God damn. This they make quite a bit of money. Scroll up real quick. Was making. Um... Scroll up. No, scroll back up to the May 30th thing. So, um, Kim, can you tell us real quick about uh, what ended up uh, getting the. Uh, Son of Sam to write to Jimmy Breslin in particular? So Jimmy actually wrote a letter in the newspaper going out to Sam and he was basically like, please stop killing. <laughs> like if that would have gonna was gonna do anything. But he was basically reaching out and saying, Please stop killing, please stop doing all these things. So then the son of Sam And turn himself in to him, right? Yeah, he was telling him to turn himself in. And he replied with the letter and instead of giving it to the police. He decided to make money off of it and put it in the newspaper. Yeah, the fucking greedy bastard. Um, so, so with that said, guys, uh, we're gonna go ahead. I, actually, you know what? Go ahead and that get yellow tab right there, Angie. We're gonna actually read through the letter real fast. Um, so, dear Mister Jeremy Br uh, Breslin, hello from the gutters of New York City, uh, guys. Real quick, I want you, I want you to make a note of that gutters of NYC. Okay, um, just make a little mental note there which are filled with dog manure, vomit, stale wine, urine, and blood. Ew. Hello from the sewers of New York City, which, which swallow up these del delicates when they are, is it delicate? Delicacies yeah. when they are washed away by the sweeper trucks. Hello from the cracks in the sidewalks of NYC and from the ants, ants that dwell in these cracks. Yeah, as you guys can see, obviously demented. In uh, part of the letter, which wasn't published in the paper, it said, not knowing what the future holds, I shall say farewell and I shall see you at the next job. Or should I say you will see my handiwork at the next job? Remember, Miss Luria, thank you. In their blood and from the gutter, Sam's creation, 44. The killer also had been dubbed the 44 caliber killer because of the gun he used in the attacks. Also, guys, I want you all to know they got this when on May 30th, 1977. Approx uh, almost two months, less than two months away, right, from the one-year anniversary of his first murder. So what is he doing? He mentions the name of the first uh, victim, Donna Loria, mm -hmm. right, and taunts the newspaper. Also in this letter, the killer left some names to help you along. These were the Duke of Death, the Wicked King Wicker, the 22 Disciples of Hell, and John Wheaties. Part of these clues led journalist Maury Terry to believe the letters were not all sent by David Berkowitz and instead by the Carr brothers as part of a cult, which we're going to talk about that, guys, <laughs> a little bit later. Mr. Breslin, sir, don't think that because you haven't heard from, uh, from for a while that I went to sleep. No, rather, I am still here like a spirit roaming the night, thirsty, hungry, seldom stopping to rest, anxious to please Sam. I love my work. Now the void has been filled. All right, so what is he doing? He's taunting there that he's going to kill again. It, in the two-page letter, David Berkowitz, or whoever the sender might have actually been, also requested Breslin inform all the detectives on the case that he wishes them the best of luck to keep digging and think positive. <laughs> this guy, bro. He's literally laughing at the police. 
He concluded that upon his capture, he would like to buy all the detectives a pair of shoes. If I could get up the money, the letter was signed off from Son of Sam. Further letters were sent to the neighbor of the Sons of Sam, Sons of Sam killer, David Berkowitz, who was also a county police officer. Craig Glassman received a note saying he had been chosen to die and that he was Satan's child. Now he wants you by his side. It added, we will kill you. We will murder you. And close with, die, Craig, die. And you guys are going to see Craig Glassman come into play here a little bit later. He's a volunteer uh, sheriff's deputy. Uh, a further note was found in David Berkowitz's car when police search it. Okay, we'll we'll skip that for now. Uh, we'll go back to the let's go back to the Netflix documentary here. Mm -hmm. Now we're gonna get into um, the seventh shooting here. Okay. Uh, on June twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven. You got the time for that, right, Angie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, of Judy Placido and Sal Lupo, and this is also in Queens, in a more busy area, too. So he didn't give a fuck, man. Oh, there you go. You got it. Bam. All right. Let's roll the clip. <laughs> for almost a year, New York police have been looking for a murderer they call the 44 caliber killer. Overnight, he hit again, this time wounding a young couple parked in a car. Whoever he is, it was his seventh attack in 11 months. Police found a familiar pattern. This car parked early in the morning, not far from a night spot. A pretty girl with long dark hair and her date hit by 44 caliber oh, bullets. I want to say something. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So this guy had not only uh, newspapers making money, but he was also making like hairdressers making a lot of money back then. Because <laughs> if you know this case personally, you'll know that. And large yourself, Angie. Just so you know, and Netflix doesn't hate. Okay. You'll yeah. know that. Um, a lot of women were changing their hairs and they, they were dyeing their hair like their, their their hair because they didn't want it to they're terrified yeah, yeah exactly so yeah i just wanted to say yeah uh yeah hairdressers were making a fuck ton of money at this time guys yeah. girls were not only changing the color of their hair they were cutting their hair there were even the salon people were saying like are you sure you want to do that you don't look that good with this hairstyle they didn't give a fuck people <laughs> were terrified guys okay, like youtube is down again oh it is yeah how we didn't even have it up. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it is what it is, bro. Um, it just came down again. That's fine. That's fine. So uh, let's hit the chats real quick. And yeah, Angie, let's do it where anytime that we're not showing it, let's just hide the screen. Okay. All right. So uh, go ahead, Kim. Let's uh, let's start hitting some of these chats. Junior Choi, $5. What is that? Super sticker? Okay. Yeah. Super Appreciate sticker. that, my friend. Stefan Hickey, can you do a video on Gennaro Meatball, the hitman? Oh, the hitman. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Honey Bones, salam, brother. Here is my zakat to you. You changed my life in a positive way. You want to pronounce that that word? Uh, which one? Zakat. Oh, zakat. Oh, subhanallah. Yep. Thank Blessing you, bro. to FNF and all the first responders and our military. May God bless you all. Thank you, bro. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Stefan again says, "Hey, Myron, I'm overweight, male, six one." 267 pounds how can i get a hot girl <laughs> you gotta lose weight my friend being fat you you're always gonna shoot yourself in the foot anytime you're uh fat dude that's just the unfortunate reality <laughs> uh dj count up why these unfiltered guys on y'all d myron yeah yeah haters gonna hate it is what it is <laughs> carlos says hey myron can i work for you i'm 18 uh what skill set do you have my friend Send oh i think he's trying to make fun yeah. of you okay fair enough 
<laughs> Shots fired. What else? Diane Studios. Hello, Myron, Kim, and Angie. As a 23-year-old insurance broker, how can I become a 1811 or 2501 DDSSA without a degree? Can- uh, you're going to need a decreative to be an 1811 nine out of ten times. Okay. If you and what he's asking is how do you become a special agent? Most uh, federal law enforcement agencies now, whether it's FBI, DEA, HSI, etc., they're going to want uh, a college, at least a bachelor's degree. And if you don't have a bachelor's degree, you need to have other law enforcement experience or a uh, um, military. But not most agencies now, you're not going to get in without a bachelor's degree. Oh, we're back on YouTube. We're back on YouTube. Cool. Do you want to finish? These? Uh, we'll read a few more of the chats. And guys, don't worry, we're going to read the chats. It's just that, like I said before, knowing how. Netflix is operating right now. We're having it. Um, we're sparingly reading the chats throughout whenever the stream gets hit down. Go ahead. Okay. Gogo says flock to live. <laughs> Shout out to you, my friend. Um, where there's, are we out here? Uh, there's a good amount left. Do you want to stop here? Uh, yeah, we can stop here and go back to the documentary. We're reading. Uh, we were uh, on Judy Placido and Sal okay, Lupo. Let, let's, let's read this one because we already showed it. Uh, cost oh, okay. $2 said, when do we get Nipsey? A lot of meat on that bone. Who? Quan says, when do we get Nipsey? A lot of meat on that bone. Oh, Nipsey Hustle. Uh I'll I'll do uh I'll do that case in the future. Don't worry, I will. I mean, it's pretty much solved, guys. I mean, they got the guy, I think, uh something holder. He ended up uh shooting uh Nipsey like an idiot uh at the yeah, at his wonder. store. Um but yeah, we we could cover the Nipsey Hustle case. You guys have asked for that one uh for a bit. Okay, what's the name so I can write it down? Uh Nipsey Hustle, the rapper. Okay. When he got when he got killed in uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, he was uh, at his store. Some dude uh, came in. There was there was a dispute about Nipsey whether whether it was an argument or a disagreement. Nipsey called him a snitch. So there's a whole bunch of different accounts. I'll uh, I'll explore it further when we cover that case. Okay, uh, again, guys, um, we're gonna show I'm gonna show you later the playlist that Myron has set on this channel. But if you want to see like the other cases of hip hop and rappers and stuff, uh, you can see it. And we have like playlists like oh. Uh, categorized. We're organized for y'all. Yeah. So, um, all right, cool. So, um, let's go ahead and uh, run it, run the uh, thing. Thanks. Netflix is hating. You got to share the screen, though. Angie. Yeah, yeah. Give me one sec. All right, let's go ahead. All right. Bullets fired without warning through a side window. Sal Lupo and Judith Placido both survived, although one shot missed Miss Placido's spinal cord by two centimeters. I remember the shooting near the Elephus Disco. This was in Bayside, Queens. It was maybe about a mile or two from where I lived. Pause. Judy Placido, her hair was long and dark, obviously. So he, what did he do? He wanted to go and attack her. Let's go ahead and show the people where this shooting actually happened, um, Angie. Uh, it's going to be 213 right there to the right. Boom. Uh, so this is where it was, guys. Uh, as you guys can see, um, that address to the right, I think, is like 213 or something like that. Uh, so th- they, shoot, they were shot at like 210. Um, click the tab oh, before okay. that, Angie. Okay. Yeah, 205 right there. So, yeah, where, says, where shows that fork and knife? That's where I think it was. Um, so scroll up. Yeah, 211th Street. Yep. Okay, so once again, guys, got y'all a original article from 1977. Okay, I'm a... Uh, all right, so the psychopathic killer who calls himself son of Sam struck again early yesterday when he shot at a young couple 
wounding them as they sat in a car parked on a residential street in Bayside, Queens. Detectives said the four bullets that wounded the couple, Judy Placido, 17 years old of the Bronx, and Salvatore Lupo, 20 of Maspeth, Queens, had been fired from the same 44 caliber bulldog revolver that had already been used to kill four young women and a young man and to wound three women and a man in six other car and street attacks since July 1976. So now we're going on a year now, guys. Yesterday's victims were about were shot about 3.20 a.m. as they sat in a car on 211th Street south of 45th Road, which is what we just showed you guys just now on the map, under a large oak tree and beside a white picket fence at a frame house. And remember, guys, it doesn't look like that now. Uh, go back and click it again, yeah, Angie. It doesn't look like that now because obviously it's been modernized. It's uh, that's This is from July 2022, a year ago. Obviously, we're talking about almost over almost four years, 40 years ago at this point. Yeah. Over 40 years ago. Uh, there were probably a bunch of trees. That yeah, there was. Yeah, it was a different. Uh, Queens was different now uh, back then. Uh, okay. Queens was looked at as more like the residential place in New York back then. But now it's obviously been, you know, more metropolitanized, if that's a word. Uh, the shooting took place three blocks from the 111th Precinct Station house. Yesterday's attack followed a pattern of other assaults on car occupants by the 44 caliber killer. The police said he approached the vehicle from behind and fired through the closed window. Neither of the victim saw him either before or after the shootings, according to the police. Scroll down. Uh, most of the women victims had shoulder-length dark hair. This, the police said, has caused anxiety among women, queens, and the Bronx, where all seven of the shootings have taken place. Miss Placido, too, has shoulder-length hair. The year-long series of attacks by Son of Sam is among the longest by a single assailant in New York history, according to Francis J. McLaughlin, Deputy Police Commissioner for Public Information. Uh, and then a woman listed as stable. Miss Placido suffered wounds of the right temple, the right shoulder, and the back of the neck. She was reported to be in stable condition after surgery yesterday in the intensive care unit of Flushing Hospital and Medical Center. Mr. Lupo was being treated in the same hospital for a wound of the right forearm. When a woman who lives across the street from the street uh, from the scene of yesterday's assault told the police that she had heard several shots ring out when the shootings occurred. Another neighbor, a man, said he heard what he thought were firecrackers exploding. They are often set off in the neighborhood, he said. The attacker yesterday left no letter behind as he had on two pri previous occasions. Both were signed, Son of Sam. All right, so uh, let's go ahead. So uh, I think I think we're good here with the Netflix documentary for now. You don't got to, don't close it. Don't close okay. it, but um, all right. So now, guys, we're going to go ahead and move forward to the eighth shooting, okay? And we can scroll down actually and show the victims. Uh, Keep going. So yeah, Salvatore Lupo. Is that him? Yeah. Well, I have a, I have a like an extra timeline for the for the Netflix thing, so we can show like the last eighth shooting. Uh. If you want me to do it or not. No, no, I have a video for it. All right. Scroll up real quick. So that's Salvatore Lupo, guys, and his girlfriend, uh, Judy Placido, seventeen. Oh, they don't have a picture of her. Mm -mm. Okay, fair enough. All right. So now we're gonna get into the final shooting here, guys. Okay, on um. On July 31st, 1977. Before we talk about that, so just so you guys know, right? Um, on July 29th, 1977, would have marked the one-year anniversary of the shooting of Donna Loria. And what ended up happening, guys, on the 29th was the police had 300 officers out in force all over the place. You had undercover detectives wearing disguises, sitting in cars together. Um, you had police out doing patrols. You had uniformed guys walking around. Everyone was out on July 29th, 1977, on the one-year anniversary where the 44 killers, a.k.a. the son of Sam, had struck. However, obviously, 
the son of Sam not being a moron, knew it probably wouldn't be a good idea for me to run out here and try to shoot somebody, right, on the one-year anniversary. And on top of that, Kim, if I'm not mistaken, there was a blackout, right? You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, there was a blackout, and everybody was just breaking into places, setting fires and everything. And something that was kind of funny that I saw was there was two police officers, like, in the car trying to catch him. One of them had a wig, and he was one officer to the other said, while you kiss me, keep your eyes open so you know who you're kissing and you don't get too excited. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh man! Uh, all right, so let's go ahead, guys, and we're gonna go into the final. Uh, we'll quick, do a quick little recap here. The shootings. So first shooting, guys, was July 29th, 1976, of Donna Loria. Okay, and we can scroll up right there and show it real fast. Up, uh, no, keep going up, 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 right there, but okay, down, 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 right there. Donna Loria and Jody Valenti. Okay, as you guys know, Donna Loria died from her wounds. Jody Valenti survived. Okay, then the second shooting was of Carl Denaro, right in the head. He was wounded. His girl that was he was with did not get shoot, did not get hit. Rosemary Keenan. Okay, um, he ended up surviving. This was on October twenty third, nineteen seventy six, out in Queens, one fifty nine to thirty third Avenue. Then the third shooting, guys, was on November 27th, 1976, with Donna DeMasi and her friend Joan Lamino. Uh, they were both shot at by an individual wearing military fatigues. Uh, one ended up being um, paralyzed, and the other one ended up getting uh, shot in the neck. Uh, both survived their attack, though. Fourth shooting was um, Christine Freund and her fiancé, John Deal. John Deal survived, however... Um, Christine Frun uh, tragically passed away. This was on January 30th, 1977. This was in Queens uh, by the Forest Hill Station. Then the fifth shooting was on March 8th, 1977, where Virginia Voskirchian, Kirchain, uh, and she uh, was killed as well, shot at point-blank range, um, literally a couple hundred yards away from where Christine Frun was killed and attacked with her fiancé, John Deal. Uh, and then you had the sixth shooting, which was Valentina Suriani on April 17th, 1977. Um, she was killed in, uh, and her uh, boyfriend, or no, uh, Alexander Asau survived. No, no, excuse me. They both passed away. I'm sorry. <laughs> both of them passed away, Valentina Suriani and Alex, and they were killed on uh, in the Bronx, 1878 Hutchinson River Parkway. Um, that was the sixth shooting. Then the seventh shooting, guys, was Judy Placido and Sal Lupo. On June 25th, 1977. Um, and uh, they both survived, fortunately, that shooting. And now we're going to get into the eighth shooting, guys, which was on July 31st, 1977, two days after the one-year anniversary. And I have a video uh, there. It's a YouTube tab more to the right. Uh, nope. Yeah. That one, one, I think it was. Yeah. There we go. How they caught the son of Sam. So this, this shooting, guys, leads to the capture of son of Sam. All right. Uh, let's go ahead because there's two key witnesses that get uh, shown in this situation. Uh, let's go ahead and run it. Despite the seeming threat made in the letter to Breslin, July 29th came and went without incident. But then in the late night hours of July 31st, 1977, Stacy Moskowitz. What? You can enlarge this one. Okay. On, yeah. For the people. Just hit, just hit the, yeah, there you go. And Robert Violanti, both 20 years old, were sitting in Violanti's car. 
But that very night, Cecilia Davis was walking her dog Snowball around that same Brooklyn neighborhood. A man had creeped past her holding what she thought might be a gun. Moments later, gunshots rang out. The next morning, Davis learned that two people had been shot while sitting in their car. Could the man she witnessed the night before be the son of Sam? Davis told her neighbors, Stephen and Tina Zaccarelli, what she'd seen. They urged Davis to go to the police. The police fixated on one detail of Davis's statement Pause. that would ultimately be the un- Okay, so we're going to talk about what ended up leading to them getting caught, uh, the, uh, the big piece of information she gave. But before we do that, let's go ahead and go to the Netflix documentary okay. and play it at, uh, you know where, uh, 4446 real quick, Angie? 4446? Yeah, and that's on episode two, actually. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, episode two. Um, yeah, there you go. So, because I want to show, want you guys to kind of see uh, that catch 44. Yep, there you go. Boom. Who was a key Pause witness. it, pause it. Uh, yeah, 44, 46. Uh, you're going the wrong way. Oops, sorry. Right. Stupid. <laughs> Guys, don't forget to like the video while uh, Angie does this. It's kind of difficult because you don't know where it yeah. is. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You're close. All right. Boom. Oh, no. Go back. 10 seconds. You said 44, though. All right. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Want to do it from here? Yeah, or... go ahead. Just do it from there. Oh, yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Boom. Boom. So this, right. is, this is Cecilia Davis here, by the way, guys. Okay. This is her account of when she saw... The son of Sam. Go ahead, play. Because he got a girlfriend over there. She's when walking I turned her dog. Around, I seen the man coming out of the tree there. At about 2.33 a.m., Miss Davis, about 125 feet from her apartment, sees a young man, whom she later identifies as David Berkowitz. As he walks by, less than five feet Pause. separate them, and he glares at her. Pause. Okay. Now let's go back to the, to the YouTube video that we had before. So that was the witness, and that's her seeing him on the night that uh, Stacy uh, Moskowitz and Robert Volante were shot. And this, they were actually shot in Brooklyn. Uh, let me show you guys real quick where they were shot, actually. Uh, hit escape. Uh, go ahead and show a tab over. This one? Mm, yeah. Yep, there we go. So this is where they were actually shot, guys, on uh, uh, 1185 Shore Parkway. This is in Brooklyn, guys. They're shot... Right at that intersection, pretty much where that pole is to the left, that's pretty much where they were shot. Uh, and obviously back then in the 70s, right, this was a much darker, uh, <laughs> This, I mean, oh, actually, you know, this. I don't really see many streetlights. That's that one streetlight there. But yeah, uh, it, it's probably dark even to this day. There's this one area. here. Yeah. So, okay. But all right, let's go back to the YouTube. Go ahead. Yep. Doing of the son of Sam. Davis noticed that two officers had been handing out parking tickets on the night of the murder. And one of those parking tickets had been given by officers Jeffrey Logan and Michael Cantanillo to a 1970 Ford Galaxy for parking too close to a fire hydrant. Pause. Let's show that ticket right now, guys. Uh, I got I actually got a copy of the ticket for you. That is the ticket right there, my friends, that ended up uh, leading to the identification of your boy, Berkowitz, uh, there you can see the plate, 561 XLB. It was uh, 290 Bay. Scroll up real quick. That's where the car was parked. 290 Bay. Uh, I guess the county, the precinct number, 
the violation, which is they're putting the New York law there. Uh, this is a nice ticket. They were, they were booted like they were doing like uh, back then, like by hand. Like, yeah, they were writing them by hand, guys. <laughs> Scroll down. Yeah, it's not none of this computer crap. Uh, see hydrant, right? He was parked too close to a hydrant, and then you can see the officers right there, uh, squad command that wrote the ticket and they got the tax register scroll down scroll down angie uh yep here so yep scroll down more is there more no okay so that is the ticket guys that ended up uh because she's she she noticed that the the vehicle that the guy was around had a ticket on it so let's keep going all right to the YouTube video. Something yeah. about the ticket also is the reason it raised the red flag for everybody was because he was one of um, them boys and he was in a really bad neighborhood. <laughs> and they questioned why he was even parked there in the first place. Why is one of them boys parked in fucking Brooklyn in the 70s? <laughs> what are you doing in that area, bro? What are you doing? You don't belong here. All right. I can be a serial killer. I have too many parking tickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Angie does got a lot of parking tickets. Yeah. Stupid. Okay. All right. Uh, yep. Let's go back to it. Detective James Justice investigated the ticket and found that the car was registered to a house in Yonkers, 30 miles away from Brooklyn. The car belonged to a 24-year-old postal worker named David Berkowitz. Justice reached out to the Yonkers Police Department, only to learn that they'd already had their suspicions about Berkowitz. Berkowitz's neighbor had contacted the Yonkers Police Department, believing that he was the son of Sam. He also claimed that it was Berkowitz who had shot his black Labrador retriever, Harvey. Pause. Don't worry. Just so you guys know, the person that called the police on Berkowitz and said that he shot his dog, what was his name? Sam. Sam Carr, to be exact. So Sam Carr tells the police, yo, this dude Berkowitz shot my dog. Let's keep going. <laughs> And the duck survived. Okay. Harvey survived. Don't worry, guys. Harvey survived. Around 10 p.m. on August 10th, 1977, Detective John M. Filatico, along with the NYPD, went to Berkowitz's home in Yonkers, where they found the 1970 Ford Galaxy. After Berkowitz exited his apartment and got into his car, the detectives approached him, guns drawn, in a scene chillingly reminiscent of the son of Sam's own routines. A paper bag containing the now infamous 44 caliber Bulldog revolver and a handful of bullets sat next to Berkowitz on the front seat. When Detective Filatico asked who he was, the killer reportedly replied with a smile. I'm Sam. And he Berkowitz said you got was me. found same. And he said when they got him, when they found him, guys, uh, he said, you got me. Also, I want to make a note here. Guys, when they saw his vehicle, that 1974 uh, Ford Galaxy, they saw the gun in the vehicle from in plain view. And what they ended up doing was they broke into the car without a search warrant, by the way, which was very... You stupid! And they ended up taking uh, the gun and they found a letter in there also saying that there, were gonna be, uh, there was going to be another shooting at a discotheque in Long Island. So at this point, they're like, yo, this is definitely the son of Sam. And that's when they waited until he came out to his car and arrested him. Actually, when, when the police got to him, he's, uh, they asked him if he was... If his name was David Berkowitz and he said, no, I am the son of Sam and you've got me. Yep. That's what he said. That was easy. So, yeah, guy's fucking crazy. But uh, let's go back to it. But yeah, they, they but the police fucked up because they broke into his car without a search warrant, which was very, very sloppy police work. You know what Stupid. I mean? But you can only imagine, right? They've been chasing this guy for a year. They see the fucking bulldog revolver. They're like, yo, this is our guy. They break in. They find the, they see the 44 caliber bullets. Um, They see a letter written. 
uh, by the Son of Sam, and I think I got a picture of it as well. Um, I'll show you guys after. Let's finish this video. Go ahead. In order to stand trial following a psychological evaluation, on May 8th, 1978, David Berkowitz pleaded guilty. Berkowitz asserted that it was none other than his neighbor's black Labrador retriever, Harvey, who had told him to kill those people. I thought I killed you, Mr. Black Dog! How did you get in here? Leave me alone! Berkowitz is now serving six consecutive sentences of 25 years to life at the Shawangunk. Guys, if anyone can find that movie and send it here, I'd be very grateful. Correctional facility in upstate New York. Harvey was a good boy for the rest of his life. Super chat, shall we? <laughs> okay. Hang on, let me go back here. Federal Reserve System. I'm turning the printers on real soon. Don't worry. <laughs> Nick says, Thank you. Thanks to your channel and advice. I used my equity <laughs> and sold my first flip for six figures. Keep up the amazing content. Okay. Honey became a member. Welcome to the team, my friend. INS Immigration. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Myron, Angie, Kim, love the show. Bought your book and it changed my life. Thank you. 50-year-old formal LEO. Next two months, I will have enough to join your Patreon and better myself all the way around. Awesome, Want to get bro. into the real estate, doing weight loss, almost down 50 pounds. Awesome, man. Shout out to you, my friend. Uh, let's mod him up because he's INS. INS doesn't exist anymore, but we'll we'll give you a, a wrench, bro. Don't worry. What is INS, bro? Uh, it's it's ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement. Oh. INS, INS, and the U.S. Customs Service were disbanded in uh, 2003 to create uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection and Immigration and Customs Enforcement, aka ICE. Uh, My best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yep, your best friends exactly. Uh, um, okay, let's go back to. Uh, well, let's read, read, this, read that yeah. last one, Kim, and then we'll go back to it. Freshest dog says, "Damn, Iron, two Latinas at the same time is crazy. I can barely stand one." <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you, hero. I appreciate you, my friend. Uh, let's go back to Bruh. the. Uh, let's show the uh, the thing, Angie. The uh, the tabs. It's not. You got to share a screen. What uh, now move over to the next tab. Uh, Okay, so now we're going to get into... Oh, yeah, yeah. Hit Getty Images there. That next tab. No, right there. Yep. Click that. No, and, and then tab over one more time. Sorry. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, oh, this is where um, his house was, guys, when they arrested him. 50 Pine in uh, Yonkers. It used to be called uh, 35. Of, uh, no, sorry. It's 42. It's 42 Pine now. But it used to be 35 Pine back then. I think they changed the address because of all the notoriety that the address got. Um, but it was 35 Pine back in a day when uh, um, Berkowitz got arrested. They did this with the O.J. Simpson address too. Uh, normally, when addresses like get super famous, they, the they'll poli um, they'll change their address so that it, people don't visit it as much. But it doesn't help people know what it is. But that's the apartment that he was at. Okay. Um, hit uh, hit the next tab, Angie. Uh, that's his car, guys. When they you can see the bullets right there, um, and the book, and then there was a letter that they found on the glove box. Um, papers inside Berkowitz's car included a copy of the parking ticket that James Justice, a police detective at the time, traced to him. Uh, and then hit the next one. Okay. So, now, we're going to get into the age-old question. Did the son of Sam, a.k.a. David Berkowitz, operate alone? Well, I want to ask y'all a question. These are mugshots 
from all uh, uh angie can you hit control yeah there you go make it bigger for the people see these are mugshots guys that were literally um sketched off of witness accounts please tell me do any of these individuals look like david berkowitz Do me a quick uh, favor, Angie. Go ahead and enlarge it on, on their side so they can get a really good look at all these in, uh, individuals. You can see here, guys, right? And each sketch... Yeah, just hit the... Remember, hit the square on the bottom. Mm -hmm. or, uh, yeah, there you go. So you can see the top left photo there, guys, right? Uh, that was the shooter, the slayer of Donna Loria. That was the first shooting on July 26, 1970. Sorry, July 29, 1976. Then you see... The Lamino Damasi shooter, then the Lamino Damasi shooter again, right? Looks like the same individual, right? With the two sketches. Then with the little comb over on the side. Then you got Ski Cap from the Voskarian homicide. That's the woman that was shot in the face with a book, right? Then you got the Berkowitz lookalike Voskicharian uh, murder. Then you got an unreleased profile sketch of the Moskowitz Violante gunman, and that was the last shooting in, in Brooklyn. That guy has fucking blonde hair, guys. Okay, scroll down a bit. Then you see unreleased sketch of yellow uh, Volkswagen driver at the Moskowitz scene. Uh, note the long hair. All right. Then you got profile of compromised Moskowitz uh, violante sketch released to the public. So you had three individuals there on scene, it looks like. Okay. Then you got the front view of compromised sketch as it appeared on page one of the New York Daily News. And that, I that last one, I would say, probably looks the most like Berkowitz and then maybe even the one before that. But you guys could see here clearly that there's more than one individual, okay? So the age-old question, did Berkowitz do this alone? Well, let's go back to the Netflix documentary where we left off real fast, and I want you guys to do the math with me and tell me, can he have done that last shooting in Brooklyn on his own? So as you guys can see here, right, we have Cecilia Davis seeing him at around 2.33 in the morning while she's walking her dog. Okay. Let's run the clip. Oh, you got to share the screen. Yeah. Angie. He had a clean in his face, like I've seen already on television. So that's Berkowitz, positive ID. At 2.35 a.m., a mere two minutes later, but over five blocks away, Tommy Zeno watches as an unknown assailant pulls a gun from beneath his shirt, crouches, and fires four times into Robert Violante's car. Holy shit. I came over to, to the car and blew those people away in less than Pause. four seconds. And that's Zeno. He saw... Someone else shoot into the car while the other witness, Davis, saw Berkowitz, okay? And he described that individual as a white male, approximately six feet tall, with blonde hair. So, guys, the question is, was there more than one shooter? <laughs> Definitely so, my friends. Definitely so. You can see from all the sketches, the eyewitnesses. There was more than one shooter. It wasn't David Berkowitz. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail here, but we'll keep running this clip. We ran through this half dozen times and it doesn't add up. It doesn't seem possible that he could have done this. No, he couldn't because I seen him taking off the ticket. He could never go back to the black gun because I seen him. Boom. Pause. It doesn't seem. So that one, that was Cecilia Davis. That was the woman that saw him taking a ticket off, which they were able to pin back to Berkowitz and identify him. So now we're going to go ahead and play an interview, guys, from I think this was 1993, where, uh, what, is it Terry Mori from that second? Or Mori Terry? Mori Terry. Mori Terry, guys. 
interviews um, Berkowitz in jail. It's going to say it's uh, that's the one that says were. Yep. There you go. So were there multiple shooters in the son of Sam serial spree? Let's go ahead and, uh, and show that to the people um, and enlarge it. And uh, let's get into it. Years later, on two different occasions, investigative reporter Maury Terry interviewed David Berkowitz in prison for a documentary series. In these rarely seen meetings, Berkowitz tells Terry that he was not the only shooter. Now, there were a series of eight attacks known as the son of Sam Kellogg's. Did you do all of them? Uh, I was at all of them. I was at... uh, more or less at all of them Pause. scouting the area so he was at all of them guys scouting which is what he did and the brooklyn shooting that we just talked about a second ago because you guys saw with eyewitness she saw him there was no way that he could have gotten over to shoot violante and moskowitz in time and get the ticket off of his vehicle which she witnessed okay remember she was the one that was able to effectively tie him to the shootings, which the police were able to use later and identify him and arrest him. Go ahead. He is and, and reporting back on likely targets and things. And uh, I did not pull the trigger at every single one of them. And uh, I believe the police do know that. Berkowitz claimed his accomplices were fellow members of the 22 disciples of Hell Satanic Cult. Would be joined when he was 22. Wait, what? And the killer was. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys. It's about to get there. It's, we're about to start talking about cults here in a second. And don't worry, Kim knows more about it. But we'll keep running this clip. And uh, and then Kim will tell you all more about it. Sacrifices to their satanic gods. Berkowitz agreed to go through each shooting, saying which ones he did and which ones he didn't, including Carl Denaro's. Carl Denaro, Rosemary Keenan, and Queens. That wasn't you. Were any of the 44 shootings done by females? Uh, yes. Would that have been one shooting or two? Uh, one I know of, possibly two. I know that uh, Carl's uh, was a definitely a, a woman. Berkowitz refused to name any living co-conspirators for fear of reprisals against his family. But De Niro may have an idea Pause. of who... And remember, guys, the Narl was the guy that got shot in the head. Remember, he wanted to leave the bar and get laid, and he got cock-blocked back there in Queens, right? Uh, he was the one that got shot in the head. He didn't get shot by Berkowitz. He got shot by who? A female, my friends, a.k.a. <laughs> Book of stories, why women deserve less. Go ahead and get it, guys, uh, because she failed her job and missed which is why he ended up living because uh, just so y'all know, book and stores right now, hardcover, softcover, it's all there. Um, The reason why she didn't kill him guys is because she did not expect the gun to have as much kickback as it did. And that made her less accurate, obviously when she shot at him and he ended up surviving. So uh, yeah, yeah. Female serial killers are almost always an L. Aileen Werner's coming soon, though. That's the one fe- female serial killer. I guess that's a W. Let's keep going. <laughs> she is. All indications point to uh, to a female who was in the cult. We can actually place her within two blocks of the, of the shooting, and she's still alive. Uh, she would be seventy-one years old now. Who do you think shot you? I'd rather not say. He knows who it was. One day there will be enough evidence Pause. to have the. He knows who it is, man. That shot him. 
but it was a female. Just so you guys know, going back, let's go back to those uh, the sketches again, Angie. The female is the uh, is the one uh, with the with the hat over there on the left. So ski ski cap. It's her that they think was the, was the one that shot him. Okay. Him, but this says that it was the Voskishin. Yeah, but I think that's the same person also that was uh, that was described at the, the the at his shooting as well. If anything, this looks more than it. But... Oh no, that's a dude. That we're gonna talk about who that is in a second. Okay. Um. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, hit the next tab after that one, Angie. Yeah, I know, guys. Shit just got weird with this uh, evil cult stuff. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, if he was acting alone. No, no. Play from where it is at 21. Uh, just enlarge it. And uh, and then Kim will uh, finish it off here with the, with the cult stuff. But, yeah, we'll play this real quick. This, this summarizes the, the cult and other people involved. But now it's extremely significant because Berkowitz claims he wasn't surprised he was tipped off. He says he received a phone call at his apartment telling him the cops were coming. I knew it was just pretty much going to be everything was getting groomed for the last last few days to just kind of get picked up or something. Somebody knew something and says, well, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to take a fall for this. So just, you know, it was just being, everything was just being set up. Set up, he says, by leaders of a cult he now names as the process church of final judgment. From the late 60s to the mid-70s, the group had a New York headquarters on First Avenue in Manhattan. At least one witness told police she saw Berkowitz entering the building only days before his arrest. Yeah, I went down there. More corroboration comes from the artist who sketched several people during cult meetings in Untermeyer Park. Guy named Ken. He had a, like a voice like this. Mm -hmm. Do you know who that individual is? Mm -hmm. That's uh, Ken. Do you know where he's from or what he, what he was a part of or anything about him? Uh, uh, he was um, basically a recruiter and I thought one of the leaders of elders and uh, uh, brother of the process and so forth. Pause. And uh, moved around. And just so you guys know, I know there's a bunch of people out there that say, hey, it's not true. There was no cult uh, or um, David Berkowitz was not a part of this cult. What we're going to do for you guys, we're going to go ahead and present. We've studied that side as well, so don't worry. We're prepared on both angles. We're going to go ahead and give you guys the cult angle that uh, Maury Terry talks about and these earlier interviews describe. Um, and then we're going to go ahead and talk about the opposition that says that there was no cult. Okay, um, But regardless, the main takeaway from this is this, guys. David Berkowitz did not act alone. And that's why I wanted to make sure that we talked about that in detail with that Brooklyn shooting of Moskowitz and Violante because the witness puts him at his vehicle taking his ticket at about 2.33 a.m. versus another um, witness, right, sees a blonde-haired man crouch and shoot into the vehicle hundred uh, blocks away, okay? So there was no way that Berkowitz was the only shooter. And then on top of that, you have a bunch of different sketches, right, of individuals that look drastically different from Berkowitz, by the way, okay, that um, were seen at the shootings by other eyewitnesses, okay? So there was no way that he was doing this by himself. And to be honest with y'all, he's not the smartest guy, so he wouldn't have been able to get away with this by himself. Was he involved in some of the shootings that pulled the trigger on some of the scenes? Yes. But did he pull the trigger at all the scenes? Definitely. Nope. If and anything... Go ahead, Andrew. Other people, if anything, other people will, like... Uh just blame him because he was he was not like like you said like the most 
intelligent guy yeah. there. So, yeah. Okay, Kim, there you go. Kim, yeah, you want to talk about a little bit about the cult and the process and what that was? Yeah, so... Okay, so going way back to 1953, um, the original Church of Scientology was... Enlarge that real quick on, on their end, Angie, so they could see. Okay. Same exact thing. Hit the button. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the original Church of Scientology was created, and there was two members, Robert and Marianne, who branched out from that and created the process of one second. The process of the final judgment, which brought their satanic rituals and all their teachings to the U.S. And it was said that started in England. Yeah. Yeah. So it was said that they brought that over to the U.S. And from that, there was another cult, the children, that branched out to that. And that's what said that David was involved in. So I'm going to. In the letters that he wrote, you can kind of see a symbolic, like a little sign at the end. And with this, it's like satanic. And if you read it, like if you put it in a mirror and it flips around, it says car which is the brother's last name and it also says sam in it and in a lot of the letters he wrote he mentions like satanic things such as the brat which is a little devil and the bezel bulb he's a demon um the lord of the flies so he mentions a lot of satanic things and then when he talks about in the first letter like behind their house it was the um, the pump and Myron. How do I pull that up? Uh, the pump. Okay, so you're you're done there. Just drag it up from there. So if you're done with that stuff, close out that screen and then yeah, just drag it up. So and while she does that, guys, um, shout out to Kim for researching the evil stuff. Um, uh, um, so uh, yeah, yeah, you got to move it around the other way. She's fucking up right now behind the scenes, guys. So stupid. Me? A quick no, that's Kim. Um, all right, let's keep playing this YouTube video here, Angie, while I uh, while we get that uh, the pump house for her that they're talking about over there in Untemeyer Park right. in Yonkers. You know, so this individual is Ken from the process. Yeah. And he was at Untemeyer Park. Yeah. yeah. The artist also drew something else in the park. Made uh, an alphabet with the lettering. And later on, it seemed like that alphabet was very, very familiar. Familiar because it was similar to the writing in the Son of Sam letters sent during the killing spree. It was eerily familiar. It was my letters. Now, we can go ahead and show the Untermeyer Park uh, stuff real quick from Kim's screen. Go ahead, Kim. Just hit add. So this is where the, um, the pump was, and everybody referred it to as the gutters so in the letter where he said he was talking to like jimmy breslin yeah when he was um talking from the gutters this is what he was referring to and when they went to the scene they found blood on the roof and the walls satanic symbols they found dog bones um and a lot of people said that they saw them killing german shepherds and drinking their blood yes so that's what they saw allegedly that there were people that used to use this Untermeyer Park place as a uh they'd be wearing their hoods and capes and they'd be doing rituals and humming and weird stuff like that. And you know, security guards had caught them there a few times and chased after them. So 
um, you know, it's pretty much documented that this place on Tamara Park was definitely used for rituals, <laughs> uh, you know, back in the day. So uh, let's keep running this uh, thing, and then we will go ahead and talk about the naysayers that say that Berkowitz and this whole cult angle is not true. And the artist identifies the person who is the alphabet in the park. So, pause, pause, pause. That's John Carr right there, guys, okay? that And John Carr lived a few blocks away from David Berkowitz, okay? And John Carr is the one that allegedly was the um, the leader of the children, which was the um, satanic group, which was, I guess, a subsidiary of the process. So the process, guys, was the original crew out of London, okay, um, and who also had ties to Charles Manson, all right? And then basically these guys out of Yonkers broke away from the process and created their own little subset called the children. And this guy, John Carr, was the leader of the children. Now, if you guys look at that photo there, go ahead and hit escape yeah. real quick, Angie, and it show the, the mugshot. Look at that mugshot. Tell me that doesn't look like the guy on the top right right there. Look at that, bro. Tell me that's not a stark resemblance. Okay, top right, top right, the guy over there. Oh, that, th that, that is allegedly John Carr right there, who I'll tell you guys this. That looks a lot like him. That definitely looks a lot like him. Show back that YouTube video. Look at that. That is the same fucking guy, guys. And that's a old, that's a, and here's the thing. That's a child photo, childhood photo. And you can still see the resemblance between the two, between the mugshot, uh, et cetera. And just so you guys know, John Carr is the one that to be allegedly the one that was wearing the military um, outfit, if I'm not mistaken, that shot at those two girls that didn't kill them. Uh, so, okay, let's go ahead and uh, go back to Doc now and uh, Marja, Angie, and let's keep playing. Golden Wheat. Wheaties, the nickname of John Carr, who Berkowitz names as a son of Sam Triggerman. This seemingly cryptic reference in a son of Sam letter suddenly becomes very clear. Quote, Pause. some names. He calls him John Wheaties right there, guys. See it? John Wheaties, rapist and su uh, suffocator of young girls. They will call him Wheaties because his sister was, his name was Wheat. Yes. Yes. And his sister uh, is the one the that dropped the call, dropped the, dropped the, the one, one, the, the 411 on David Berkowitz, by the way, guys. When the detective called uh, from NYPD asking about that ticket, the person that answered was, um, Weedy's car. Weedy's sister. Well, car. Yeah, John. Yeah, John. We John. John Carr's sister. Um, I forget her name. Wheat. <laughs> her name is Wheat. Yeah. Oh that's shit. Why, that's okay. why they call Weedy's to John. They okay. Name, okay. Name him that. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So his sister answered the phone and snitched on the guy that was working with her brother. So crazy. Yeah. Let's let's keep going. Just to help you along, John Weedy's rapist and suffocator of young girls. Significant phrases at the time labeled the ranting of a madman. On the wall of Berkowitz's apartment, cops found this scrawled next to a punched out hole. This is Mr. Williams' hole. The artist never knew about that bizarre scrawl, but 20 years later, he can still locate a hole in Untermeyer Park, now covered by underbrush. He just says, you know, Mr. Williams lives in the, in the hole. They mentioned that they had rituals where they would sacrifice animals, a dog or a cat, or chicken or whatever Berkowitz says he would become the ultimate sacrifice for the cult I was just there to take a fall I was just I was just you gotta understand what happened you know it was like a process man I just uh so, you get brainwashed you get you know you get you get controlled you're you're just a soldier now and you got to do what you can to just uh, 
keep the devil happy and keep uh, everybody happy and uh, and uh, it was such a it was a stupid thing, you know, uh, waste. Yeah, I look back and see that I, you know, was foolish and threw my life away. But at the time, see, once you get caught up in that, man, I just once you get caught up in that, that's it. You just I wasn't expecting to live really. I don't know if I was, was going to live. I don't know if I was going to die. The threat was very real, says this former cult member who calls himself Brother John Paul. He considers himself one of the lucky ones. He escaped from the cult. The only way that you could get out of this thing was either they killed you off, you killed yourself off with, with a suicide. That was the only way to get carried out in a pine box. John Paul says he was first recruited into the cult by none other than John Carr, a former high school classmate. John talked very specifically about a pyramid, okay, and that to get to another level of this pyramid, he had to turn around and prove that he was worthy of this level and had to kill somebody. He wouldn't succeed, but according to Berkowitz, John Carr would seriously wound two teenage girls in the third Son of Sam attack. The next shooting was in Queens of... Um... And that was those two girls that we talked about earlier, um... Uh, Donna Ramo, uh, Ramo, Damasi and Joanne Lamino on November 27, 1976, when he pulled up and shot at them wearing the military uh, camouflage. Joanne Lamino and Donna Damasi. Is it a fact that the shooter that night was John Carr? He's not living anymore, you know. Right. He died shortly after I was arrested. Right. No. John Carr Ross. was murdered in North Dakota. That's John Carr right there, guys. Got murdered in Minot, North Dakota, and we're going to talk about that here as well. You know, think about that. It's a little weird that he would die a couple of days, like literally, you know, a little bit after your boy David Berkowitz was arrested. Let's go ahead. Just six months after Berkowitz's arrest, authorities there believe it was connected to the Son of Sam case. First, it was thought to have been a suicide, but subsequent uh, investigation and interviews lead us to believe that it's very likely a homicide. Nearly 20 years later, that murder is still unsolved. In 1979, John's brother Michael died in a high-speed auto accident in Manhattan. Berkowitz now names Michael as the shooter of Judy Placido and Sal Lupo. And look at look at his brother, guys. He also looks very familiar to one of the mug shots, if we're going to show that as well. Look at that one on the top left. Tell me that's not him, guys. Come on. All right. If you say, if you think about it, these two look alike. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got the a, a start a, a crazy resemblance to John Carr on the top right and the top middle. Then you got the top left, who looks just like um Michael, just like uh Michael Carr. Michael Carr. Okay. Go back to that photo again on the on the YouTube vid. Look at that. I mean, come on, man. So, and Berkowitz names him as the shooter of Judy Placido and Sal Lupo. And if you guys remember, that was a shooting that happened on um, June 25th, 1977, where they both survived, okay, over there in Queens. Remember where they, where they got shot? We showed you guys that address. Show that real quick, uh, Angie. Um, what? The, the address, it's two. Uh, yeah, that one. That was the shooting that we showed you guys over here. Flip it around. There you go. In this area. He was the shooter, Michael Carr, in this situation. 
Okay. Uh, all right, let's go back to the documentary. Yep. Yeah, it's real painful. It's a really uh, bummer just to be talking about this. Uh, and just so you know, the brother Michael Carr guys died in a car accident. What? Going about 97 miles per hour and crashing right into a pole. Hmm. That also is very strange as well. So you're telling me both Carr brothers die within months of Berkowitz being arrested? Interesting. Sus. Yeah, very, very, very sus. <laughs> Bumbaka! Let's keep going. My life is at, was at a, is at a stage now where, like, uh, you know, you're talking about a stranger. You're talking about things that happened that were a nightmare. I, I, I just want to bury them in the sea of forgetfulness. I want to move on with my life. I can't undo the past. And uh, so many people were hurt and destroyed. It's, it's unbelievable. Next, Berkowitz offers more evidence he did not act alone. And we learn how some members of the New York Police Department were recently stopped from reopening the Son of Sam case. This was the gun that sealed the fate of David Berkowitz. At a news conference beamed around the world, cops bragged they had nabbed the 44 caliber killer. Today, Berkowitz claims there were other 44 caliber revolvers involved, Bam. held by other people. There were some others around. I. Uh, because some other people had this same gun. Other people had bullets and a lot of weapons, really. A lot of stuff, too. It just never turned up but around. Today, Berkowitz offers new evidence that he did not act alone and that members of a murderous cult orchestrated and participated in all the Son of Sam murders. The shooting of Christine Freund in Queens. Is it true that there were three or four or even more out there that night. Yeah, some people around. We always had a backup vehicle. And... Berkowitz also dismisses another theory that he was a madman on the loose. The public had the impression that all of the 44 shootings were random. Is that true? Mm, not trying to say not a them, no. In fact, he says each killing was a premeditated execution. It was no coincidence that a friend of the first victim, Donna Loria, warned of her death a week before she died. From the police report, Donna has one week to live. Wow. Berkowitz's new claim has some unlikely supporters, including Donna's father. And remember, guys, Donna was the first victim that died on July 29, 1976, out there in the Bronx, uh, in front of that apartment complex that we showed you guys. Let's keep going. And the other parents should be with it, the others. I think they all should be One more time. Also, guys, do me a favor. I think we're safe because we're not going to use any more Netflix stuff. So come on over to YouTube if you guys are watching on Twitch. Open up another tab. Come on over to YouTube. Let's get the views up on this one. I see there's a couple hundred of you guys over there on Twitch. Let's get uh, the YouTube stream uh, up to over 1,000, and let's get to 1,000 likes uh, just because, like I said before, we so we can go up in the algorithm. We worked really hard on this one for you guys. Angie and Kim did quite a bit of research on the side. Um, you know, they could have been... I don't know, doing what girls do, which is basically nothing. But instead, they decided to help me on the podcast. So, guys, down to Marco and like the video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, you know, show some support. And uh, come on over to YouTube, guys, uh, on Fed Reacts on YouTube. Come on over right now uh, because, like I said before, I think we're safe on the Twitch side where we no longer have to worry because we're not going to use any more Netflix uh, stuff. So I knew they were going to be lame, but we prepared accordingly. Uh, let's go back to the doc. 
Shout out to Angie. Berkowitz confirms he wasn't the only hired gun of the cult. This composite sketch of the killer of the fifth victim backs him up. It may look like a man, but it was actually a woman. Oh, shit. The woman who pulled the trigger that night, she was a, a member of this cult. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a fact Pause. that she was from Westchester County? And that is, the, that is the woman, guys, that killed Virginia Vascarichian. So the person that shot her in the face, uh, when she put a book up to protect herself, the Columbia University student, yeah, she was killed by a woman, guys. And uh, Berkowitz was there to help. But the shooter was actually a female, which you guys just saw right there from the uh, from the picture with the hat. Yeah, I knew her from there. This composite sketch is of the person who killed Stacy Moskowitz, the final victim. The blonde sketch hair. of a blonde-haired man was never released by police. Berkowitz says he wasn't the shooter. This former NYPD officer worked on the case. His son of Sam was a nut job. Why, why are there three cars, five different descriptions, different height, different shapes, different sizes of the perpetrator? Somebody else was there. Shooting victim Carl De Niro believes there were others. I mean, it wasn't robbery. That you can understand. Pause. That might not be right. That's the guy that knows that he was shot by a girl as well, guys. More than likely, it was probably the same girl. There were two girls that were involved in this, in this cult, so to speak. Um, but I would assume it was probably the same girl that fucked up with him and she had to make up for it. So she ended up killing the other girl. That's why she probably went and shot at point blank range to make sure she wouldn't fuck it up. Which is why, once again, guys, women deserve less book in stores right now. Go ahead and pick up your copy because uh, women can't do anything right to include serial killing people in the middle of the night. Let's keep going. <laughs> You can understand it. I don't know. I'd like to know what the motive was. Why, you know, even if I was random, why we, why were somebody, why was somebody driving around looking for somebody to shoot for no good reason? These police reports say there were several vehicles at crime scenes, the most notable being a yellow Volkswagen speeding away after the murder of Stacy Moskowitz. Yeah, at this point, we have not. So, guys, another vehicle that they also were able to connect. A yellow Volkswagen, and this yellow Volkswagen guys had been linked to other murders as well. That victim, that um, witnesses had also seen this vehicle speeding away from crime scenes, and this was the last crime scene in Brooklyn with Moskowitz, where they saw a blonde-haired shooter, right? With with you got that the witness that said that I think his name was Maino or Kano, whatever his name is, and then you also have a white a Volkswagen um, vehicle being seen at the scene as well. Shit's about to get even crazier here in a second. Let's keep going. been able to say that any one car is the car that uh, belonged to this person, uh, including the yellow Volkswagen that was reported in the paper. But the official hunt for the VW and any other evidence would end with Berkowitz's arrest. Sources have tied an identical VW to the Carr family, the neighbors who turned Berkowitz in. But he never owned a VW. Those same sources claim the New York police began reinvestigating the Son of Sam conspiracy last year. Pause. But top officials. And that is true. Uh, the Queens DA, uh, was it John Santucci, Angie? Ended up reopening the Son of Sam case, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and because he also believed that there were other conspirators and they tried to um, go ahead and investigate it. But no other arrests were made. Angie, you got anything? Uh, about what? The Santucci opening up a case. I remember you were researching him. Well, stupid. <laughs> Clearly. Never mind. You can keep um, playing. Adding the brothers yeah, to the case, though, in the note that he gave out to, during his 
crimes and everything. Mm -hmm. He mentioned being locked in an attic, um, the alcohol, the drinking. Oh yeah, John Carr. Like yeah, yeah. And son of Sam um, letters. People who knew Sam, his neighbor, said that he was an alcoholic, that he would beat his kids and lock them in his attic as punishment. So it adds to the letters, you know, the brothers. Yeah. And so just so you guys, so here's the connection, guys. Okay, just so recap. <laughs> you got John Carr and Michael Carr, okay? Brothers, okay? Their fathers, who? Sam Carr. So it would make sense that they would say, yo, we're shooting everybody, we're doing all this, and we're the sons of Sa we're the son of Sam. Okay? Why? Because their father's name is Sam. And then in the letter, they illustrate all the things that their father, Sam Carr, remember he was the one that had his dog shot by David Berkowitz, he would do to punish them, putting him in the attic, etc. All that abuse. And he was also an alcoholic. So it all ties back, guys. Okay? Uh, let's go ahead back to the doc. And shit's about to get even weirder now, guys. You guys are going to see here in a second. Ordered the case shut down. And just that's not a demon, guys. That's a police officer that was involved in an investigation. He they're concealing his identity for obvious reasons. Don't worry, it's not a demon. Sources point to a midnight search of this brownstone, once owned by suspected pornographer, drug dealer, and photographer, Ronald Sisman. All right, he and his girlfriend. Shit's about to get crazy, guys. Pay attention, okay? You got Ronald Sisman, this guy that shoots pornography, so to speak, if you know what I'm saying. Air quotes. Let's keep going. Elizabeth Platzman were murdered execution style on Halloween, 1981. The reason for the search by police? The source says the department believed Sisman had photographed the murder of Stacy Moskowitz and had hidden a copy of the film known as a snuff film. For the first time ever, Berkowitz says one existed. This time that when uh, the sacrifice had been made, this is all you know part of the uh, the ritual and everything, and uh, there was some filming uh, going on. Somebody wanted to film it for somebody else, or. Uh, whatever. Berkowitz says there were three people in a van at the Moskowitz murder filming the shooting. And the evidence mounts. This self-confessed process hitman named Jesse Turner says he was hired to kill Ron Sisman by a world-renowned artist. Who approached you to take care of Ron Sisman? Uh, Robert Maplecroft. Why? Because uh, uh, Ron Sisman had possession of some the late Robert Maplethorpe, a controversial artist known for his graphic and some say pornographic work, Turner lived with Maplethorpe in the early 1970s. Robert was not a member of the process. He was associated with the process. The process, the process, they were using each other. There was a snuff film. Then what happened with it? Uh, after the after the church ordered it. Yes. Well, it, now I, you know, there was, oh, there were several copies made. Robert explained it to me and said, "Look, you know, Sisman's got these films, and 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 uh, you know, most importantly, he's got the Moskowitz film." We discussed him dying. Yes. Pause. Turner claims the murders were actually carried. So, so let's get this straight. 
Dan Berkowitz gets arrested on August 10th, 1977, right? Shortly thereafter, John Carr, the leader of the of the children, a.k.a. a subsidiary of the process, right, this cult group, so to speak, gets mysteriously killed in North Dakota. His brother, John, is, then dies of a mysterious car accident driving at 97 miles per hour, crashing into a pole a couple weeks later in New York. Then you got a guy who was allegedly there at the Moskowitz shooting in Brooklyn. Remember, guys, on Ju- June 31st, 1977, that filmed it, right? He gets killed with his girlfriend as he enters apartment after a date on Halloween. So, um, so tell me that. It, to me, it sounds like we're we're tying up loose ends here. Okay, it's a whole bunch of crazy shit. All right, because they didn't want the police right to go ahead and you know, if, God forbid, Berkowitz go ahead and snitch. They would have all these people that they could go interview that had more information on the organization. So, to me, it looks like it's cleaning up loose ends. Anything on your ends, ladies? Oh, um. Go ahead. Sorry about earlier to Kevin. So yeah, uh, what I what I was looking into Santushi, he just was one of the prosecutors. Uh, David Berko was just had three prosecutors. That was oh like yeah, because it was, was in different areas. He killed in Brooklyn, Queens, yeah, and in Bronx. Exactly. So I I didn't remember because I I know I knew my, his name like Green for for a reason. But the the thing is that he yeah he had like three prosecutors and Jones Santushi was one of them. Yeah, only Queen the Queens DA decided to open up the case yeah. on other conspirators, Brooklyn. And uh, the Bronx did not want to do it. Uh, anything it came anything on your end? Just, yeah, we when get back into it? David was told about um, the brothers dying, um, he told Terry that, like, yeah, that's what happens when you join a cult. You either, you know, self-delete, you get killed, or you get into a freak accident. So mm, he okay. basically confirmed that. And Maury Terry, as you guys know, is the investigative journalist that wrote the book. Uh, what is it? Deep the Evil or something? The Ultimate Evil. The Ultimate Evil, which documents uh, the Son of Sam shootings and the cult, etc. Which, yeah. again, we're going to go into the, the naysayers that don't believe in the cult here in a little bit as well. Because they um, have a theory that the cult didn't exist. That Actually, uh, that book that he wrote, Maury Terry, he wrote one in, the first one was from in 1987. And he wrote a second part more into the cult and the satanism and everything behind this case in 1999. Okay. And it's a pretty good book. If you guys want to check it out, you can just, you know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to it. Okay. So there's a little conspiracy you guys can see here. So now you got the guy that allegedly filmed the snuff film being killed. By, by two accomplices who recovered five snuff films. He told the same story to New York City police last year, but soon after the investigation was stopped. And then like that, the investigation led on into the Son of Sam case. And that there were... Uh, things were messed up during that case. Of course, it would be embarrassing to uh, an agency who had done uh, last up an investigation and not looked forward into it. There were murderers running loose on the street today, and they didn't put them in jail. Some other unlikely believers of the cult theory, the parents of Stacy Moskowitz, who spoke in this 1993 interview. I had to hate somebody. And the only one I knew, the only name I got was Berkowitz. So I had to hate David. In my opinion, the New York Police Department covered it up. The city covered it up. I don't know what the New York City Police did. I still don't know what they did. I feel the city did wrong. They never followed up the case. And I heard quotes from judges that this case would break wide open in New York. And when it does, there's going to be a lot of heads rolling. Um, 
Mrs. Moskowitz has corresponded with Berkowitz. This letter has been in my prison cell for three years and I never answered it. But uh, she wrote me the most beautiful letter a person could write to, to someone else, especially a person who was in some way responsible for harm being done to their family. And uh, I would just like to thank her personally from the bottom of my heart. I'm going to answer this letter one day when I get the courage to do that. There's so much pain involved to even face these things, but uh, I'm truly blessed. I'm truly blessed. The blessed and the cursed. Those familiar with the cult believe it is still active, just masquerading under a different cloak. They have disguised themselves again, and uh, they always change the names. It's so in-depth that it would take an army of police officers or it would take somebody with power, guts, and, and influence to shut these guys down and make them go to some other country. Berkowitz agrees. They're definitely dangerous. I think that today, I mean, I've been locked up behind prison walls for 20 years or so, but I feel, to my hunch, that they've become more uh, sophisticated, uh, more covert. It's my hunch that uh, they have uh, really gone down deep. All right, pause. Hidden, but just so, as powerful. Angie, real quick, because you went ahead. There's some naysayers that say this cult never existed, or uh, the other side is that Berkowitz was never a part of this uh, 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 cult. Do you want to talk about that real quick, yeah, uh, yeah. what um, the opposers say? I know you did some research on I that. I don't know if I can mention the, the main person that is behind this theory. Um, I will do it anyways, I guess. But um, no, he doesn't. he doesn't say that the cult didn't exist. Well, he basically says, well, the people that are behind this theory, because apparently there's a lot of people behind this theory after this guy pulled it up, is that David Berkowitz was never part of this cult. Mm. So he did. They, they the process, have... right? Or the children. What? He was never a part of this cult. The of process, cult a.k.a. Whatsoever. the children. They said that they, he was never part of, of the cult whatsoever. Okay. But um, it's funny, though, because they pull out like... um evidence and stuff because this guy said that he went to the places that these the this call will take place which is the on Mori Terry uh no no Mori Terry this guy this guy that is doing the investigation no I'm saying they're debunking Mori Terry yeah they're they're, book. Yeah, maybe they're trying to debunk basically the guys that say the cult didn't exist guys they're debunking Mori Terry's book um huh? and they're saying that basically one of the big things that they said uh you, you want to go into it, Angie yeah, about the um, graffiti go ahead yeah so uh, yeah, I will. I will mention that, and I will show you some pictures. Well, the, I, I I wanted to show you the the guys the guys video because he's got a picture there, but I'm not gonna do that because, you know, it's giving him credit. Now, I mean, anyway, go ahead. It's fine. Go ahead. Show it. It's fine. Oh, you think it's fine? Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Go but, ahead. Show. Show. Um, go. Pull it up to the main screen there. Just just drag it over. All right, but before that, I just wanted to say, um, yeah, he basically says that, uh, he's discredit discrediting. Is that a word? Discredit. Yes. Yeah. He's discrediting this guy, Mori, because um, he didn't, in his book, he didn't show uh, parts of the letters that David Berkowitz wrote. He just showed, like, just parts. He didn't show, like, the main, like, com the complete letters. And also, because he's saying that in the park, uh, uh, the, the graffitis were, were done after the 19... 1980s. The graffiti that was there the, with the skulls yeah. and all that other stuff uh, with the upside down crosses, it was done after Berkowitz was already arrested in the 80s. It yeah. wasn't done. Which is, I'm going to show it here. Hang on. The thing is, this is part of the video that I was looking at. 
at so okay you, you guys, there you go so yeah you can see this is more terror right here yeah hang on let me enlarge it i want to do it like the big thing but this is more there and this is the, the the graffitis that he thought that were part of the cult but um what he's saying here is that this was just people trying to troll Mori Terry uh, off. Yeah, because yeah. long story short, guys, Mori Terry was writing a book, right? When Berkowitz got arrested and everything else like that. And everybody knew yeah. that he was writing a book and he was visiting Yonkers often. Right. And going over to Untermeyer Park and going to the pump house uh, yeah. where you guys saw that photo taken. And people would troll knowing that he was going to go there and they would just put all the satanic stuff there. Think it just to fool him. Right. Um, and because th these things were painted and drawn there basically after Berkowitz was arrested. Yeah. So they're trying to say that they did that kind of to kind of lead on, uh, uh, Terry on a wild goose chase. Yeah, you can see okay. Mori Terry here as well with the, with the paintings and stuff in the in the park. Is there any other allegations that come from them that says that the cult wasn't real yeah, or whatever? But yeah, what no, else? no it's, it's just that basically... That's mainly, the main thing? Mainly it's, it's, it's just that, that he was never part of a cult. And, the, and he also said that he never met the cars. The car guys, the um, car brothers that he didn't know brothers. them. Yeah, and he, well, there are some allegations that the brothers said, uh, all the brothers said that they were um, David Berkowitz was just harassing them. That he killed the dog. He will call uh, and just like breathe at the at the phone calls and mm -hmm. just do nothing, just harassing them, you know, just molesting them, and. But yeah, I mean, he would he, just harass them, call them often and shit, yeah, he and shoot their dog. He mainly, he also debunked himself because um, he showed, uh, he said that he went to the park and stuff, and he talked to people that actually belong to satanic cults and everything, and they have seen like uh, rituals and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he also spoke to a guy who was a uh, a homeless man mm -hmm. that lived in the park uh -huh. from. Hang on, I have it here from. Uh, man, I don't remember. I brought up a lot of stuff. But anyway, he, he lived like 10 years in the park. Uh -huh. uh, well, this time, David Berkowitz was doing this thing. Okay, so he was there in the 70s when Berkowitz yeah. was out. Yeah, All right. and, and and he said that he has seen David Berkowitz around, hanging out around the park. Mm -hmm. And also he said that he saw David Berkowitz with, with John Carr or Michael Carr once. So... I mean, if this guy has seen this before... So wait, so he's saying... So wait, he said... So Manny Grossman, he's saying in one end that the cars didn't know Berkowitz, but then this homeless guy is saying that he saw Berkowitz with the cars? Yeah. And he also said that he doesn't believe the guy, which is like... Okay, he said he doesn't believe the homeless guy. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So you have a, like a whole witness, witness saying that you saw... They, he saw David Berkowitz with the car brothers and hanging out around the park, but he doesn't believe he, that he was part of the cult. So it's crazy. I mean, yeah. Okay. I don't really believe him. Okay. Be All right. Um. Well, either way, we want to present that other side for you guys as well. The people saying that Berkowitz. So he's not denying that a cult existed. He's just denying that Berkowitz was a part of the cult. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. He, he's not denying because he said that he he talked to people that belong to the cult and they will see like the dog, dead dogs and dead okay. cows and stuff. And yeah. All right. So That's it was that. real. It's just that they're saying that Berkowitz wasn't a part of it. But here's the thing, though. There there's so much information that shows. That Berkowitz could have been a part of it because son of Sam, you got the different handwritings. Mm -hmm. You got the the people, witnesses saying that they saw Berkowitz in North Dakota, yeah. right? And who was in North Dakota? John Carr is in North Dakota, right? Yeah. He had ties to the Mina Air Force Base out there. So, um, and then also you got witnesses that um, have Berkowitz and uh, people, uh, someone that looks like John Carr at the scene. 
And then you got, you know, this, this, uh, the, the dog, right? And because Berkowitz originally said, oh, yeah, this dog, this demonic dog is making me do all this stuff. But then you find out that he shot a dog. That dog belongs to Sam Carr. And then Sam Carr's son, okay, John Carr and Michael Carr are the actual sons of Sam, right? And then you also know that they're the members of a cult. So yeah. it's too many coincidences for it to not possibly be true. So, I mean, I, we'll present you guys the facts. You guys, like I said before, you got the side that doesn't believe that Sam Berkowitz was a part of a cult at all, okay. and there's no cult link. And then you got the guys right on the Maury Terry side of the house that think that there was a cult and that Berkowitz was a part of this cult. But one thing is one – I will say there's one thing that's irrefutable, though. Berkowitz did not act alone. Okay, guys, that is irrefutable at this point. You got multiple witnesses with different sketches. You got different eyewitnesses that saw different individuals. Um, you got uh, Berkowitz himself saying that I didn't act alone. And then you have evidence that proves that there was no way that Berkowitz was a lone shooter. Because if you have one witness literally seeing him buy his car, dealing with his ticket, right? That same ticket that identified him that got him arrested by the police later on. Then you have another witness saying, no, I saw a guy crouch down with blonde hair, shoot into the vehicle that Violante and uh, Stacey Moskowitz were in, right? Then you know for a fact that there's more than one shooter. And you saw a, a yellow Volkswagen at the scene as well that was um, that was uh, involved in the situation. Yeah, I just, I just want to say also that um, from the part of the, this guy that's saying that that is debunking Mari Terry, he also states that that uh, he met a lot of the people that belong to the cult and most of them were old, were like old people. So he said that why David Berkowitz, a 24-year-old back then, will hang out with old people at a cult. So that was also one of his arguments with this thing. Like, okay, uh, that Berkowitz was, yeah, because Berkowitz yeah. at the time was a postal worker, guys, 24 years old, making exactly. about $13,000 a year. So, yeah. Uh, um, annual. Go ahead, Kim. But as well, David in um, 1993 told a reporter, we made a pact maybe with the devil, but also with each other. We're going all the way with this. We're soldiers of Satan now. I was just too far in too loyal too much playing the role of the soldier and trying to please people so that kind of just confirms that he was part of something and that he had a pact with other people and most likely being yeah the car brothers well this argument uh i was just saying because if he also said that that most people in the in the the call were old that's also proven that they might have used Berkowitz to you know as an image for the cult you know to use use him because he was stupid and the other thing that is uh shit i lost my train of thought what i was gonna say <laughs> the two um go ahead him saying that everybody else was older kind of contradicts um something because in the letter he said that they're working for papa sam so he would refer to sam the car's father as like the head of everything yeah and that he needed to drink blood to maintain his youth yeah. so maybe the cult also had such older people doing all these sacrifices doing all these things to try to maintain their youth yeah well this oh, guy also the other weird thing too that's what i was going to say the, the the suspicious deaths like i mean you're telling me both brothers die literally within like months of uh berkowitz getting arrested weeks yeah like that's also weird as well so i mean too much suspicious stuff. Too many weird coincidences, guys. So, Angie, you have there some? is another thing that that made me laugh as well because this guy is just stating facts that is just discrediting uh, discrediting him. So he also said that in October twenty one 
of 1976, two days before the Dinaro shooting, a woman named Bernd saw a headless uh, German shepherd in the park. So that also proves that they were kind of partially doing, like, I don't know, kind of doing rituals. But each time they, they will do, like, a, a shooting or an attack. Something I also found weird was the fact that the brothers never were brought in, like, for questioning at all. Yeah. And a lot nobody, of people... Nobody interviewed them. Yeah, a lot of people talk about how police were so fed up. And you have to remember, in the beginning of all this, the NYPD was cut. Like, a lot of people and workers were cut. So they had already few people working double. Yeah. So they just wanted to put an end to everything. They wanted to put someone behind bars. They wanted someone to be responsible. So when they caught him, they interviewed him for only 30 minutes for him to confess to absolutely everything. And all he said was, my neighbor's dog is a 6,000-year-old demon yeah. that was telling me what to do. And they were like, okay. And they yeah. never interviewed the brothers. And and the thing also is that David Berkowitz later on said that uh, the whole story about the dog is is false. He said in, in, in an interview, I think, that he he made that up. He only said it because he wanted to be classified as crazy so yep. that he wouldn't be put away. And then he then stated that he was a born-again Christian and is now not the son of Sam, but the son of Hope. And Christians see him as a prophet. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and that's why uh, he's actually, you know, found God and become much more religious in this situation. Uh, so, I mean, I think he's still up there. He's still in, in prison. He hasn't been executed or anything. He got denied parole, though. I think in 2011, and that was the and last time. And he has time. kept applying. And one more thing. Yeah. There's a son of Sam Law now because of how famous this case beca became. Yeah. So now serial killers, like all these um, criminals, aren't able to profit profit mm -hmm. from like all the attention, all the books, all the movies. Yeah. Memorabilia, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So the son of yep. Sam is now a law. So yep. he got the attention he wanted. Yep. That's for <laughs> sure. Yep. And I think... Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and a couple other serial killers didn't end up getting pro profiting from their situation. I think even John, was it John Wayne? Cause John Wayne Gacy had a bunch of uh, paintings that he made while he was in prison. And I don't think he made yeah. a dime off of those as well, even though some of them sold for ridiculous amounts of money. Uh, the AKA the, the killer clown. Yeah. Um, so yeah, guys, uh, let's hit some of these super chats real quick. Kim, go ahead. Um, I wanted to ask you more before. Yeah. If you wanted to pull up the thing about Michael Franchisi talking about. Oh yeah, you know what? Let's go ahead and pull that up while Kim reads the chats. Okay. Uh, as you guys know, quick little recap for y'all. <laughs> while uh, Angie pulls that up, go, just go on the. It's on my channel, and it's also actually just go on the Fresh and Fit one just to make it safe because I didn't pull record the full thing on Fresh and Fit. Sorry, on on Reddit. Um, yeah, we actually had Michael uh, Francisi, uh, Michael Francis on the Fresh and Fit podcast last week, guys. It was a great interview. I'm gonna have him here on Fed Reacts as well. Um, but he talked about how um, they were also the mafia, <laughs> the Colombo crime family was involved in uh, the Son of Sam situation. We are uh, live. And then I think it's in the timestamps, Angie. Uh, yeah. Just search it on the timestamps and uh, we'll go and we'll, we'll run that clip real quick for you guys. Uh, really, really cool shit. Um, but while we do that, um, Kim, go ahead. Can you uh, hit the chats real mm -hmm. fast while Angie finds this? Gogo says, like the video people, and Myron, not sure if you did this already, but can you make an equipment? Can you make a video on equipment for your channel? Would appreciate it. Flock to live. Oh, man, I can't give the sauce, bro. I can't give the sauce. <laughs> what else? Um, Stefan says, Myron, I have two serious questions. I'm looking to find a young, thin 18 to 22-year-old girlfriend, <laughs> but I'm 6'1". 
267 pounds. How should I fix this? And second, can you make a video on Gennaro Meatball, Arthur the Hitman? Uh, well, don't be fat. You can't be fat, bro. Um, that's just unacceptable. And get your money up. Like uh, having having your money up, guys, and having uh, being in shape are two literally glitches in the matrix to just becoming a more attractive man in general. Uh, you can't find it, Angie. No, I think it's right here. Right? Remember it's that. Hard, but I yeah, I think it was here. Life in the seventies. So, well, you know, we could go ahead and play it because the um, Francis, uh, Michael Francis actually uh, details uh, how crazy the 1970s were. And just so y'all know, you had serial killers running around crazy. You had the mafia was running the uh, running the show. Um, so we'll go ahead. And, and if you guys haven't seen this interview, go check out this interview. It was yeah. fucking lit. Go ahead. Okay, here. How dangerous New York City used to be even back then. And then when before Giuliani came in and really was, you know, making a push to clean up crime. Like, what was it like being in New York City in that era? Like, was it just, I mean, the city, you couldn't go to Times Square. Well, we could, but I mean, Times Square was, you know, the, the porno capital of the, world, yeah. of the country, at least back then. It was a disgusting place, quite honestly. You didn't want to be there. Uh, but crime was rampant. Yeah. You know, we didn't have trouble with the local police. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, in, in New York, with 750 guys, many of us had relatives that were mm. police guys. Yeah. Or we had neighbors that were in a police force. So we got along with them. We didn't have any trouble. Our, our nemesis with the FBI. We have trouble with the locals. So, you know, I had gambling you operations in the city. We were paying off the okay. cops. I mean, it was it was a good time for us mm -hmm. with respect to that. Yeah. And it was a great time. I mean, I had, you know, some good clubs back then. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Studio 54 was around. We, <laughs> we, we had a lot of fun. You know, I put it that way. When yeah. it comes to networking, right, uh, for the, I guess, the families, so to speak, what was like the process of meeting people for like business, I guess, getting things done behind the scenes, you would say? Well, it was technical. So if you fresh. Hang on. Let me see if I can like go forward and find the part where he talks about David Records. Bother me. Done. And the second thing is they want to know what you're doing so they can get a piece. Yeah, <laughs> you of know. course. So it goes both ways. So, you know, that was uh, like even if I had to go to Chicago to do business, I would tell my boss, I'm going to Chicago, so I check in with anybody. They would tell me who to check in with there, and I'd say, "Listen, out of courtesy, come in here. I just want to let you know this is what I'm doing." Wow. So you know, we we had that kind of respect for one another in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, cool. And there were five crime families in New York, and then there were how many? If I'm not mistaken, was it nine nationwide? You had nine, nine that were actually part of the commission. Yeah, I want to like skip forward to where he's talking about David Brecker. You're talking about the mafia, so you guys need to go check that out. The, you didn't find it yet? Nope. Yeah, because they're just, they just changed the, the subject. Maybe where it says the 300 guys? No? Yeah, maybe no. where the New York was a dangerous place. But... We talked that, that was already, that was what it was. Yeah. Oh, what was I even saying? We didn't do that? No. Do you want me to read the oh, chats while you find here, it? Yeah, read the chats while we find this. Okay. IRS says Angie's a bum shirt's sure coming in soon. <laughs> um, Cree seventeen. Imagine if all these motherfuckers watching like the video. LOL. Just giving thanks to, for the content, brother. Christian Kelly, keep up the good work on FNF, FNF, and Fed it. Super cool to get the Fed perspective and detailed breakdowns from the legal side. The sauce is real. Shout out Angie. Thank you. <laughs> Rob says it is definitely the best show. 
Mo says, I heard Ecuador makes the best arepas. Mo is just there for the beef. No, he he's really just looking for beef. That's it. That's all he's doing. He's just dying laughing right now, you guys. RPO Studios. Love the new name. Keep killing it. Sparky No. Myron, I got my return of 5k on my original 11k investment. Fellas, hit the gym, stop chasing 304s, and focus on your bag. Myron, you changed my life for the absolute best. Can I get a Dom DeMarco? Man. Uh, nah, hold on. I, I'm going to find it right now. I'm, I'm, uh. Dom DeMarco, DeMarco. Yo, get the likes up, by the way. Tell them to get the likes up. Yeah, guys, get the, sure likes get the likes up. up. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel. Nobody is going to give you sauce like this. We're, we're <laughs> getting you guys the uh, the new intro right now. That's why I'm behind Andy yeah. here downloading it for y'all. I got, I got the new intro. Yeah. Uh, we'll play for you guys on the way out. All right. Are you going to play the video? No, yes. Okay. Yeah, Lost Ronin says, love the channel, Myron. Can y'all cover the Long Island sound killer? I think he's a modern day Zodiac that also has never been found. Oh, yeah. Um, it, okay, I know who that guy is. I think he strangled like 20 chicks out there um, in New York in the uh, 90s and, and 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, they, have, they still haven't caught him to this day. Uh, the two big serial killers that haven't been caught to this day are that dude, the Long Island Strangler, and then the there's Zod another guy out of Chicago. I think they call him the Chicago Strangler. Did the Zodiac killer get caught? He never got caught either, but there is a suspect. There, there is, there is a suspect. I mean, we can. Should we just give this update now? Might as well. Oh, All right. Yep. So, uh, actually, it happened. Uh, you know what, Angie, pull it up on Google real fast. Or actually, you know what? Um, yeah, Angie can pull it up on Google real quick while you keep reading the chats, Kim. Uh, but basically, uh, there was, uh. <laughs> There's a group of guys called the cold case people, right? And the, and you could close all those tabs, by the way, Angie. Okay. We don't need all those, so the, the thing will run a little bit smoother. But anyway, there's a group of guys called the cold case uh, crew, basically. And what they do is is that they solve, you know, cold cases, you know, big serial murder cases, blah, blah, blah. And what ended up happening was they found, uh, they identified the, the, the who they think is a Zodiac killer. There's a guy named uh, Gary Francis Post, if I'm not mistaken. And I talked about this in the Zodiac Killer episode in more detail if you guys want. But there was recently um, some news that came out. We'll pull it up on Google real quick. Just type in a Zod Zodiac Killer, uh, Angie, on yeah, Google. Yeah, uh, just pull it up. Hang on. Yeah, just put, just, just put Zodiac Killer and it's going to come right up. Yep. Share the screen. Yeah, give us right here. Give us one second, guys. Bear go. with us. Yeah, just put, just put Zodiac Killer. You don't even got to put in new Zodiac okay. Killer. Just put in Zodiac Killer. <laughs> You're going to see the news that broke. Yeah, hit enter. Okay, scroll down. See, and this broke uh, two days ago. Uh, cold case investigators, and we can read it from the Daily Mail. Go ahead and read it from the Daily Mail. Three days ago, two days ago. You see it in the corner there? Yeah, right there. Read that. Uh, the very long list of Zodiac killer suspects as groups, as group claims Air Force vet is notorious cold case killer. There are plenty of other names, including U.S. Senator Ted Cruz. So, yeah, the Zodiac killer guy is by far is the most infamous. Can you X that little thing there? Pe fuck pets meds. Oh, this the ad, yeah, hit X. Yeah, fuck that. Get out of here. They're not paying us. Yeah, they're not paying us. Um, so Zodiac Killer Sleuths continue to turn up new evidence more than half a century since the murder terrorized Northern California, leaving at least five people dead. If you guys want more detail, you guys need to go ahead and watch the uh, Zodiac. Zodiac Killer breakdown that we did. Also, I suggest you guys go watch the movie uh, from 2007 from uh, yeah, with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. A group of investigators yesterday claimed to have evidence pr uh, proving a USA U United States Air Force veteran was behind the slangs, which primarily targeted young couples in the late 1960s. The case breakers team first named Grant Gary Francis Post as a suspect two years ago, but now say the FBI has a potential 
uh, a partial. partial, excuse me, a partial DNA match, which could tie him to the murders. Um, however, Post isn't the only suspect in the frame as a serial killer who claimed the menacing letters to newspapers in the 1970s that he had killed 37 people. The only suspect authorities ever publicly identified as Arthur Lee Allen, a school teacher who was institutionalized in 1975 for child molestation. But the cops only ever had circumstantial evidence against a pedophile who died in 1992. Incorrect. Yes, he died in 1991. We'll keep going. Yeah, he died just when he, he died right when he was going to be brought arrested. in. Matter of fact, he died when the person that he shot survived identified him out of a six six man lineup they were going to bring him in for questioning on that and he died of heart failure shortly thereafter yeah. this is gary francis post right here guys um uh and, and um the case breaker seen first name and he's dead now guys he died in 19 uh 2018 this guy gary francis post uh this is the sign that's the zodiac sign signature. uh scroll down and um other suspects uh, include Lawrence Kane, who was picked out of a photo lineup by a woman who claimed she was abducted by Zodiac, Ross Sullivan, who bore a striking resemblance to the killer's police sketch, and Richard uh, Gajkowski, who, who was said to have had a similar voice. Um, and then who was murdered? They talk, they show the people that were murdered, right? Which, if you guys want more detail of this, go ahead and watch my Zodiac Killer Breakdown. It's actually one of my favorite episodes that I did. It was extensive. It was about four hours long, but I go yes. into detail about all this stuff. Yeah. But long story short... The reason why this stuff break, broke the news recently is because the FBI does have a partial match of Gary Francis Post and the cold case breakers want to go ahead and get a, get uh, get that tested. This is also a big case that has a lot of theories behind it. Yes. There's an entire website, guys. There's a yep. whole team of armchair detectives that are investigating the Zodiac case to this day. Like, yeah. he hasn't killed anyone since, like, 1970? Yeah. Like, yeah, less. I don't think he's killed any. Like, the last known killing was... Uh, 19, no, 1969 with Paul Stein, I think. No, he killed more people after that, I think. Yeah, but, but I mean that we were, that they were able to tie to him. Yeah. To, actually, yeah, Paul Stein, one of them boys, if you know what I'm saying. But, uh, go, go ahead and hit, um, show the screen real quick, Angie. The screen? Yeah, sh okay. share screen. Like, okay, scroll down. Scroll down. Like, yeah, keep going, keep going. Yeah, Paul Stein this was killed Paul on Stein. October 11th. Uh. This guy was 29 when he died? Yeah. What yeah, I think he, he was the like final 40. victim. Yeah, scroll up, scroll up a bit. Okay. Scroll up, scroll up. No, no, no. Oh, up, 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 up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Zodiac's final known victim was taxi driver Paul Stein, killed on October 11, 1969. Yep. Dude, it's it's crazy how much I still remember about this case. Mm. Um, actually, I, yeah, I ain't gonna lie. The Zodiac case is one of my favorites. Um, and well, El, El Myra for doing it without me and doing it with a lame-ass woman. It was before I met you, okay? <laughs> so, uh... I could have done it better, though. So... Stupid. Anyway, yeah, that girl. <laughs> the conversation. Um, yo, and guys, don't forget to like the video. By the way, how many people we got watching? Uh, eleven hundred. Eleven hundred. Shout out to y'all, man. Like the video, guys. Let's get to one k likes. Um, all right, let's keep going. Let's go back to the super chats. Go ahead, Kim. You got it. Them boy said, "What did we speak? <laughs> what did we say last week?" Um. <laughs> uh, what did we say? Oh, them boy <laughs> with the CIA symbol. I don't remember what you said last week, bro. <laughs> You're going to have to come get me. FBI, open up! Who else? Julio says, Myron, I'm curious if you have any knowledge on tech sales. Not STEM per se, but more on sales dev rep. Was thinking of buying the course on course careers, but not 100% sure if it's legit. Any thoughts? Um, there's a bunch of courses. Uh, there's a bunch of free content out there, man, on high ticket sales, man. Just watch that stuff before you decide to go ahead into, into that and spend a bunch of money. 1928. <laughs> 9G. 
Love your work and dedication. Team, keep it up. I like this team. Train them well, Myron. Hey, man. <laughs> Shout out to them, man. They they did do a lot of work behind the scenes. Uh, you know, obviously, as you guys saw, the hell, they had knew some things that I didn't even know. Uh, so they did their research as well and came prepared. Shout out to the ladies. Julio became a member. Shout out to you, Julio. Welcome to the team, my friend. Jimmy says, hairline looking sharp, Myron. Are you on finasteride? No, no. I remember I did a hair transplant, guys. So, uh, you know, I've been putting some of that minoxidil foam as well yeah, on the hair. You can see, you can see his yeah, hair. Yeah, I'm not as bald as I used to be, but uh, hair's coming back, guys. Hair's coming back. What else? Medizi1986 says, always wear that shirt while doing this show. Yeah, I, I've had this shirt for years, guys. I've actually had this shirt since 2013 when I first got on the job. I've had it for 10 years, man. Yeah, you should wear it. When yeah. you, it looks nice. It, it's cool. Yeah. All right. You well. have to tuck it in, but yeah, I gotta. Maybe next time I'll be all tacked out and I'll fucking wear my uh my five elevens as well. That's the cargo <laughs> pants you wear during raids. But yeah, go ahead. What else do we got, Kim? John says, "When is part two of Ryan Dawson's nine eleven coming again?" And damn, Myron, why do you take Angie from me? <laughs> next Friday, guys, and you guys can have her back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, next Friday, guys, we're gonna have uh Ryan Dawson on next Friday to cover part two of nine eleven. Steady became a member. Yo, shout out to you, my friend. Welcome to the Fed. It, uh, sorry, Fed it. My bad. I give myself Fed reacts. Yeah. Stupid. The Fed reacts uh, <laughs> channel. Steady also says, from green eggs and ham to the son of Sam. <laughs> okay. Uh, shout out to Dr. Seuss. What else? It's Dr. Seuss. It's like a card, like kid's book yeah. over here. Eddie says, any interest in covering the... Yakuza, Yakuza of, of Japan. Japan. Yes, I will cover the guys. Don't worry. These organized crime groups, I'm going to cover them. Uh, Yakuza, triads, uh, Russian mafia. I know some of you guys asked me about the Russian mafia. Uh, I'm going to cover um, the Colombians, right? Obviously, well, we have uh, we have Kim here for that as well. She's from the regime <laughs> as well. She's even funnier. We're going to cover Pablo Escobar and all that. We're going to cover the Mexican cartels as well. The thing is, though, guys, is when I cover like these big organizations, I want to make sure that we do it right. As y'all know, I warned you guys. You guys asked me for the mafia. For months, right? What are we doing? We're doing a whole mafia series. It's been what? Mm -hmm. Five, six, seven, five weeks now plus that we've been covering our mafia. I told you when I do these big organizations, it's going to take weeks because I'm going to do one person at a time and cover it extensively so that you, you know, we have a nice catalog of work. When I did 9-11, also took weeks for me to complete 9-11 for you guys. Hell, they took one of my episodes down. It was that thorough. So um I'm definitely going to cover all these criminal organizations for you guys as well. The Yakuza, the triads, I don't see that as taking, you know, multiple episodes. Uh, but some of these other ones, like the Mexican cartel uh, and the Colombian cartels, yeah, those are going to be multiple episodes. Um, there, is a, there is a case that I would like to cover that I mentioned to you, Maria, like a long ago, of this Yakuza, Yakuza Mafia group that killed a 16-year-old back in the... I think it was in the 80s or 90s or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that girl? That yeah. young girl? Yeah. Were they Yakuza, though? If I you guys, think they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one of the guys, the main one, the leader of the group, that he belonged to the Yakuza. That's why everyone was so scared of him, and that's why they let him do all the things that he okay. did with the group. Yeah. If you guys know the name, I can't remember the name of it. It was a girl. girl that was like raped for several months, right? Yeah. That girl? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone days. in the chat's gonna put it. It was it, it was, was a very for forty four days. I remember the yeah. details and everything, but I can't remember the name. Someone in the chat's gonna remember it. It was a girl that was abused for forty four days. Yep. Yep. Uh what else do we got here for chats, uh Kim? JK Joker man says W wives. Inshallah. And W Myron appreciate you, my brother. 
I appreciate that, my friend. Shout, uh-huh. You know, actually, if, see, I want to hear a funny story yesterday. Uh, fucking. Um... <laughs> so I'm like, you know, about to go to sleep, tired as hell. Oh my God. And Angie walks in, right? Okay, fucking. How do I mute this? <laughs> yeah, no, you ain't mute my mic. I'm saying this. No. She walks in. Bro, she bought a bunch of fucking condoms for me. <laughs> <laughs> Shout to Angie, W wife. So uh yeah, fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> I don't I mean I can unmute mine because the button to mute him is all the way to yeah, yeah, over you here, can't find it. And Joaquin doesn't know where to mute him. No, I, I know where to mute him. I <laughs> wanted to hear this. <laughs> we she talked wants- about it last time I talked, we were like, should we get him some comments? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shout, shout yeah, we gotta keep this man out of the STD. Yeah, man. I hey, um, shout out to the wives, man. <laughs> shout out to y'all, man. They help me out a lot behind the scenes, man. So, uh, what else do we? What else do we got here? <laughs> w A says, "Can you do Chicago Ripper Crew? They are a group of serial killers, cannibals, rapists, and necrophilias with 18 victims. Them boys were wilding." Okay, can you write that one down, Angie, please? Sure. Uh, Chicago, Chicago Ripper Crew. Ripper. That's a first. I've I never think, heard of that. I think I've got it. You I do have I've that somewhere? Yeah. Okay. You got it? Yeah. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Three digital, digital, digital. Son of Sam, son of Ham, son of Jam. Throw all these terrorists in jail. Fuck them. <laughs> okay. Okay. Appreciate that. Three digits. W. Stefan, my my money is not a problem. I make 80k a year. Okay. Uh work till to six figs, my friend. And then get in shape. That's another big one. But work till six. If you make if you could make 80k a year, you can 100% make uh 100k. Stanton Scott, I don't live in a city. I live in a town. I think he was just replying to someone else's chat. Oh, okay. All right. World's coolest nerd 23 2330. Okay. Appreciate I that. think he was like, oh, for the, the other video for the one yeah. you guys were looking. Oh, the, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, shout out, shout out to you, my friend. Thank he found you. it. All right, twenty three thirty. This is the uh, the David Berkowitz situation with uh, the mafia. So yeah, I got it. Okay, Junior Choi, could someone tell Fresh I like the video already? And then Junior Choi again, could someone tell Mo I like the video already? Okay. <laughs> All right, and guys, do me a favor, like the video. We got, uh, I think, 1K to 1,100 of you guys watching right now, so please like the video. Uh, and you want to pull this up? 1,200. Um, 1,200 live? Okay, guys, like the video. Oh, yeah, between Twitch and YouTube. And there is one, 1K people that have liked the video. Okay, okay sweet. Thank you, guys. Oh, shit. That's like 90% engagement right there. Um, all right, let's go ahead and pull up this Michael Francis interview of him talking about David Berkowitz. This is really interesting shit, guys. W Michael Francis. I was yeah. freaking out behind the, behind, <laughs> behind the scenes. No, we had connections basically right into the White House during that. We had a lot of political power at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, New York was a bad place. I got to be honest, before Giuliani took over. They called it Fear City. Yes, and it it really was. But we weren't in fear. Mm -hmm. And no serial killers came into our neighborhoods, that's for sure. (laughs) As a matter of fact, you know, the son of Sam was rampant at that time. We were looking for him. Mm. There's one thing, Myron, we were very protective of our neighborhoods. There was Mm -hmm. no crime in our neighborhoods, none whatsoever. And uh, we were looking for him. I almost had him one night. We had a tip where he was, but we missed him, unfortunately. But we, we were on the lookout for wow. him. Wow. But wow. it was, uh, yeah, and now. Because he was I, doing shootings in the Bronx and in Brooklyn. Yes, yes. So, and Queens. Okay, he was yep. all over, all over the, all the boroughs. But 
the crazy thing now, he got life with triple, I don't know what he got, but uh, he read a copy of my book and a guy I know is writing a book about him. It's going to come out soon. And they asked me to, to write the introduction oh, wow. to the book. The, the forward, the forward. So I wrote it. You know? I almost got him too. Yeah. yeah. Does, he, but, does he know that you guys were looking for yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. He, he wanted to meet me. I can't get into the prison to see him. Yeah. But he, he's converted now. He's become a man of faith and all that. So yeah. it's an amazing story. But I was going to kill him one night. <laughs> he got off. He got off. You know, he deserved Oh, man, because I mean, it makes sense because if you got a guy running around the streets, right, like killing people, well, it's bad for business. People aren't going to go out. They're not going to gamble. They're not going to spend money. Uh, And the mafia, right, had a lot of these industries right in their pocket. So if you got this dude running around having everybody terrified, right? Yeah, bad for business, bro. We need to get rid of this guy. So um, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, that they would be involved in uh, finding him. And by the way, we're going to go ahead and have Michael Francis on Fed Reacts, by the way. Yes, sir. We're going to do an interview with him about the Colombo crime family. So that's going to be lit. We're going to get insights from him about Joe Colombo and uh, that whole side and get a more detailed look. You know? Because as you guys know, uh, Michael Francis <laughs> was a capo for the Colombo crime family. Um, and, you know, he's making $8 million a week, you know, uh, you know, skimming gas pumps and not paying taxes, which is hilarious. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be you great. Finally, I'm going to Yeah, Angie will be able to ask. So she had questions that she had, and we didn't get to yes. ask because we had a short amount of time When last I got time. here that day, she goes, I watched all your stuff. And she's, like, smiling, and that's all I heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she I was mad. She, she sent me a – so Angie walks in, and she sends me, like, a list of questions. I said, like, 20 questions. And I was like, bro, I don't got time to ask all these questions. I answered a good amount of them during the show. No, But uh, when we bring it back, we'll we'll ask those uh, questions because Angie had all these, like, detailed questions that we didn't have time to get into. No, but uh, all right, all right, let's 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 go back on. to uh, – No, hang what? on, hang what? on, hang what? on. What? What? Yeah, Myron only answered, like, three questions of what I sent him because I sent him like a whole list. So he ended up the, he said in the, in the live that, uh, Angie, send me your most important question. And I sent like four questions and I tell him like shoes, right? Shoes one. And he didn't do anything. He just ended up the interview and I was dying next to him all like, ah! <laughs> even <laughs> writing in the chat, Byron, <laughs> send my questions. Yeah, he did not. But, um, I'm happy that we get to see him again, and we'll and he see left him the, later. The books later on, yeah, yeah, he, he left, left us some books, books as well. Yeah. So shout out to Michael Francis, great guest. It was a, it was a definitely, yeah. He left uh, both books. Uh, the one I think is his autobiography. Another one is about the mob. So, yeah. um, definitely, and I'll probably be at his event in July as well that he's gonna have uh, here in Miami with Mike Tyson. So that'll be that'll be a good time. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, any, let's finish up the chats real quick. Oh, we finished. Oh, we're done. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, guys. So, um, hope you guys enjoyed that episode of fed reacts, man. Uh, I told you guys, this one was going to be a thorough one. Um, <laughs> go ahead and like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you haven't already, I think we got the new intro. It should be downloaded, right? Yeah. Angie uh, guys, I've never seen this, this intro slash outro. So we're going to go ahead and run it for y'all. Do you know how to do it? Angie? Yeah. On the side, hit the, okay, you oh, we have uh, one more we have chat. A chat just came yep. in. All right, go ahead. Uh, Kim, go ahead. Read it. Yeah. Let me. We missed you, Mine. I love Fresh, but think about this was really killing me. Was killing me was slowly. Was killing me slowly. <laughs> and that was from Just Low Cardi. And Just Low Cardi, five dollars. One you. more. Metendo power. Have you? <laughs> have you or will you cover Todd Colfin? Dot call help. Call help. I think you did that one. Don't worry. He was from my 
County that no one knew about. People still theorize about some missing cases, and there likely remains that there are still that there are still on his former property. Oh, sh- uh, okay. Um, do we have that one on the list, Andrew? Yeah, we do. We okay. do have it. We we do have him for quite a while. But I oh. think you did him, no? Uh, Does it ring a bell? N- no, Todd. What was Dot it again, Caldwell. Todd? What? Dot Cuphill. No. No. No, I don't think I did him. Okay. No. Anyway. Wait, Todd. What? Call, call. Can you put up the the super chat yeah, again? Right here. Wait. No, no, no. I never did Todd Kelhop. I thought they said Brian Koberger for a second. I, I we did yeah, him. Yeah, me too. I think. Yeah, I yeah. I thought it was Brian Koberger. No, we we did. Yeah, we did him, but we didn't do that guy. So, uh, cool. All right, guys. Uh, I'm I'm pleased to announce. Let's see how this uh, intro came out. This is like a rough draft, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, like the video on your way out, guys. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Timestamps are going to be up very soon. Um, love y'all and uh, Angie, roll it. I'm a special agent with Homeland Investigations. Okay, guys, HSI. Jeffrey Williams and Associate Weissel did commit the felony. Oh, here is what Six Nine actually got. Racketeer conspiracy. This attack shifted the whole U.S. government. This guy got arrested. Espionage. Okay, trade. Zodiac Killer is a pseudonym of an unidentified serial killer who operated in Northern California. All these serial killers got um, Samuel Little, etc. They really get off on getting attention from the media. He didn't want them to leave. He wanted to keep them there, and he didn't care how it was done. He wanted to make sure that he was always the one going to go over his past, the gang ties, so that this all makes sense. All right. Uh, not bad. We got some edits that we got to make on it. Uh, you know, that's a decent first draft. Um, that was the first time I saw it with you guys. Um, yeah. Other than that, I think any, anything y'all got before we close this thing out? No, that's it. That's it? Nope. All right. Shout out to Kim. Shout out to Angie behind the scenes helping me out. Uh, I'll let you guys know when we have um, Michael Francis on. We'll catch you guys on the next episode of Fed Reacts. Peace. Peace.